I'ma say what I feel And I promise to keep it real Welcome to the Red Room Well, you gotta be a rider till your fears are diminishing the doubts are behind ya. It's hard to grind and the business got me stressed in the rent room. We let that shit up off our chest. You know the street nerds got no time for no kata. Sass in class, yes, that's Mr. Bolakaja. Never have to guess when you're listening to Hilliard. He gon' bring more game than a shark playing billiards. It's all about the crap of screenwriting. It's exciting when you turn an outline into something enlightening. Your pen and words are like bullets in a gun. Write what you feel, say what you want. Welcome to the Rant Room. What's up, y'all? It's your boy, Hilliard Guest, and you guys are listening to the Screenwriters Rant Room, where we keep it real, we keep it opinionated, we keep it what, Chris? Wakanda, Wakanda forever. forever. Yeah. On this show, we discuss entertainment, TV, film, music, culture, but our focus is always screenwriting, stories, craft, and shit like that. What's up, Chris? Today, man. I'm excited for today, but... Um you know, it's, I, I don't know. This has been this is like a weird week for me. It's weird to because because we had a little incident at our, our offices. So we <laughs> what you didn't did you didn't burn the place down? What you well, did? Well, I didn't want to burn Hollywood. I, burn. Okay, look. I can't say what show I'm on. Oh, that's right. I have this sort of this, this NDA <laughs> thing going on. So I so I, I want to speak on it so we can figure it out. Um, but no, but it's like just but 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 like I think my life got just like a little bit disrupted from mm. not having to go to work, you know, right. like it means the routine that you get into. I feel that like a lot of times, you know, oh, all of a sudden you stop, you stop. It's yeah, like yeah, as a writer yeah, yeah. or whatever it is, like <clears throat> like you find this routine that really works well for you and you mm-hmm. can be productive. But then when it's different, then it's like okay, so now how do I <laughs> just rebalance? And I got time like to go that. to the gym and shit. Yeah, that <laughs> and like you know, just a lot of stuff that was um, <clears throat> crazy. Um, What's that? What's that? I saw this pilot last night. Hmm. A show called Foundation okay. mm-hmm. on Apple. Jesus fucking it's Christ! Tight? What's it about? Um, it's a it's set in it's set in the far future. It's not even on Earth. It's okay. Um, it's based on these these books by Isaac Asimov, and it's about um, there's this guy. His name is uh, Harry Seldon, and he's and he does this thing called called psychomathematics, psychohistory, mm-hmm. where he can kind of predict the future. Mm. And he's predicted the future of the fall of this galactic empire that he's in, and they're accusing him of heresy. Oh, this got your name and, all yeah, over it, yeah, don't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they have brought this woman in, this black woman. Maybe he might be a Pacific Islander in terms of like her ethnicity, but she's from this planet that's kind of like a water planet. Okay. And she solved this equation that could potentially prove him wrong. Hmm. You know, like, like prove his mathematic formula wrong. And it's a really cool line where this guy was saying that like. Um, uh, that mathematics are a weapon, hmm. and I was like, I've never seen anyone use that. I mean, people always say the words can, can be right, weapon, you know, right. but mathematics as a weapon was very uh, interesting kind of um, a play. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, the pilot's out. I think for two episodes are out. But I just watched the pilot late last night because okay. I was tired, um, and uh, it looks fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. Some of the like maybe you can put it in the show. We're gonna drop this tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, because because some of the <clears throat> visual effects just blew me away. And okay, I, and, I, I yeah. was, and I was like Tim Cook. 
and <laughs> Apple has got the checkbook open. Okay, because he's not fucking around. I mean, it's so massive. Like, like twelve million dollar budgets no, an episode no, of shit. Like, no, it's probably twenty. Yeah, Damn, it's, like it's that. Probably yeah, twenty. The visuals are outstanding on that. Production right. value is crazy. Yeah, because they're on several different continents, so it's got that mm. Game of Thrones type mm-hmm. of thing. But not Game of Thrones where they ha- they they're using like some castles and stuff like that. Oh, okay. They got no castles. They use. It's all right. it's really out there. Hmm. Um, it's really really good. I mean, so far. Aaron, Aaron said, "How come he didn't get twenty million for his show? That's some bullshit." That's okay. what I'm saying. Oh, here's the thing. I, I worked on a show <laughs> called The Get Down. I, I will say we yes. were around it. That was, yes. that was yes. for different Fats. reasons. Fats. But, but yeah, I, I know what that looks like. <laughs> yeah, but they just spending money. I mean, but the yeah. thing is, a lot of times like money gets spent, and you, it's 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 not always on the screen. You mm-hmm. know, obviously mm-hmm. you're paying actors big money, yeah. and people got big money. But and this show's got some big people behind it, obviously. But yeah. what's on the screen will blow you away. Like it's the kind of shit that makes you go. It's it's awe inspiring. Really, mm-hmm. for TV shows, awe inspiring. Right. You know, I mean, like, like there's movies that don't do this. So it looks like a movie. It sounds it looks, like there's movies that it don't looks do this. Better than a movie. Yeah. Some. I don't to get on that. Yeah. Because yeah. there's, there's, there's this part where this girl, like she's like like, like they're doing their jump to hyperspace, and they talk about well we gotta plug you in and blah blah. blah. Most days they just plug you in you to sleep. Right. But this kind of, but this mesh forms around her and everything. It's just real fast. It's hmm. rolling up like liquid. I was like, "Fuck, that is dope." Hmm. Yeah. That's just a small piece. Yeah. And it's yeah. So that was uh, that's that, that's my recommendation for <laughs> yeah, today. And, and, then my, and then my other recommendation <clears throat> is, uh, I think, I, I don't know how long it goes, but on the Criterion Channel, they're doing this thing called uh, New York Stories. Okay. And it's all these movies that are set in New York, and mm. a lot of them from the '60s and '70s and the '80s. Um, there's a lot of great fucking movies, and mm. they had um, um, <coughs> Abel Ferrara's uh, King in New York. Oh, love that! Which classic, is fucking, yeah, yeah, great yeah. movie. I, and I haven't seen it in like yeah, young folks out there, 20, you know. 30 years. And that movie, I remember I watched it again. I was like, fuck, this movie's dope. Yeah, mm-hmm. nah, movie's Frank Wizzo, Frank yeah. White. Exactly. Yeah, it's crazy. It's yeah. great. Fucking Fishburne and uh, mm-hmm. uh, Wesley. That's a young Wesley. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, a yeah. David Caruso before he was taken off his sunglasses yep. at CSI Miami yep. and that's Walken at Walken's like apex where he's Definitely. got like the Walken voice he's also yeah. doing like a little Walken dance cause yeah. he he was a dancer before <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a gangster. What's that, what's that video dance? he did where he danced it? I love that oh, video. Oh, yeah, Fatboy Slim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, there's yeah. A, it's a taste of that. Like everything you love about him mm-hmm. is is in that. Everything yeah, you love that. about each of them. I think Teresa Randall's in that. Yeah, she's okay. yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. I think it's the first thing I've seen. That, that was way before Crooklyn, wasn't it? Yeah, way before. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That was before Crooklyn. New Jack City. Yeah, yeah, That was. It was. It was kind of the precursor. Mm. To like a lot of those films, right. you yeah. know, but it didn't um, quite get the pool that no, those no, ones. Well, I mean, it's like you know, Abel Ferrara is kind of a he's kind of a wild ass director. I mean, his next movie was Bad Lieutenant. Oh, you know, love where, Bad Lieutenant, you know, where he went off the rails right. with his shit. But um, but he's but his work is very it's it's very New York in a way that like. Uh, you know how like Scorsese and, and and Woody Allen have show you a type of New York. Like he mm-hmm. shows you a type of New York right. that is very. Um, it's, I mean, it's the hard pill of New York. Usually, you know, like, yeah, it, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, what would have been cool? You never, they would never do it. But if if they were gonna do like a remake of the Warriors mm. and set it back in the seventies like that, like mm. someone like him, maybe back then could have done a. That's fucking, my number two favorite yeah, movie like, in the world. Like could have done an awesome version mm. of that movie. West Side you know? Story number one. Then the uh, Warriors. Okay. Big difference, isn't it? Nah, but but <laughs> I can see similar aesthetic though. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I like both of those too. Yeah. Love both of those. And I like I, I 
King of New York is a, is a cult classic, obviously, mm-hmm. but but even the the young crowd now is still influenced by it, whether they know it or not. Right. Like that whole look of like neon, dark shadows. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Even Biggie, Biggie called himself Frank Wizzo. That's that's, that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, people yeah. been you know quoting that for years. Right. That's where that comes from. I always think about um, what's his name, um, the, the 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 music video director who did was it Belly. Oh, uh, hype! Yeah, Yeah, hype Williams. Because I always think about that. Because I was like, he was inspired by that shit. Like something about it. Yeah, the shadows (laughs) and and kind of what he plays with light. Yeah, that scene in the the opening in Belly with the neon and the strip club Mm -hmm. and everything like that. Oh, Nas's eyes and shit. Very much influenced by what they did in it. Because there's like because on the um, you you know, like the little thumbnail on Criterion, Mm -hmm. it's like a shot of Christopher Walken and it's all blue neon oh, eyes okay. on his eyes real tight like that and you're like yeah. I was like oh yeah these guys are watching what's the guy's name Malik Saeed was the DP oh yeah one of my favorite endings of all time by Is the way it? that film yeah I've been <laughs> trying to replicate that for years How, what, is, what is the end I can't remember what he, happened he gets into this whole kind of shootout on the subway oh yeah um, he wins Frank White does but he's still getting chased by cops he ends up out on the street and and he climbs into a taxi cab. The right. taxi cab driver freaks out. You think it's about to go down like mm-hmm. Scarface style. He's mm-hmm. sitting in a cab and a bunch of cops are coming in. Right. And then what you realize is that whole time he's been dying. He's been bleeding out. Yeah. And the that's end is right. just you know that's it. He dies he without anybody getting the satisfaction. He right. dies on his own terms though. Right. You know. So yeah. it's, it's just like okay, that's the yeah. anti Scarface. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a, a black version. It's a, it's a, it's, you know, well, the black in is they they put cuffs on them and they shoot them fifty yeah. times. <laughs> <laughs> The trial of Billy Jenkins is just like, because you know, it's interesting because it, it reminds me sort of a similar ending, but not the same type of ending, but a similar ending in Michael Clayton, mm. where he gets in the cab mm. at the end mm-hmm. and it just stays on his face mm-hmm. as it drives off. Right. And you just kind of like, and you kind of watch the world of the heat unleash kind of just like <clears throat> full, like roll off of him. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know. I find those, I find those movies that will end with that moment like that that single shot letting it roll you know because it's to me it's allowing your your imagination to wonder like what happened or whatever for sure you know what I mean? all for that for sure for sure because yeah. who did that too um most recently and call me by your name call me by mm-hmm. your name when the kid was what, looking at the fire from mm-hmm. the whole crazy. i love that movie you know, so it's cute. Like, i was mm-hmm. like damn dude mm-hmm. like that's like a whole film reel. <laughs> just that moment, Cause right? Because he, cause he <laughs> it's like, damn, that's pretty dope. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty dope. Yeah. Hilarious. Well, look, if you guys are grown, let's go ahead and get into the show. See how we do, Aaron? We just, you know, do that, do that little like we in the room, yeah. and all of a sudden you go, "Ooh, Chris was talking about that thing. Let's put that on the board." Yeah. <laughs> that's how it works. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So everybody, if you guys are grown, let's get in. So today we got a big bro and a building so you gotta say it was respect awesome. yeah with a K. you, know, you gotta slap that motherfucker look at that <laughs> <laughs> put some respect on it look aaron rasan thomas y'all in the building what's up y'all what's like, up bam, 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 appreciate bam, bam. that <laughs> appreciate it y'all are the best at intros i just oh, want to say every every time i listen it's like man okay yeah i want to hear more this person sounds like they're interested that was up. that yeah. was up. uh y'all know who he is okay if y'all don't know what i would say google him bitch google him <laughs> y'all is learn right now so um aaron like you said we've been wanting to have you on the show for a while like we said, timing is everything. <clears throat> You're in the middle of some really big shit. Um, the nice little pivot. I always tell people you got to make your little pivot. Always got to do it. Time to pivot. Just because you're rolling don't mean you still can't move along and do some other shit. So we're going to jump in. Let's tell everybody like where you're from, how you got into the game. 
Uh, where I'm from, I, I grew up, I always tell people, if you could stand in front of the uh, map of the United States, close your eyes, put your finger directly in the middle of that map, that's where I'm from. Mm. I'm from Kansas City in the Midwest. Um, Kansas City, here he comes. Look, that's, right. that's right. That's right. That's <clears throat> home of Gordon Parks. Right. For, for those who don't know, that's the legendary photographer mm-hmm. um, who also directed Shaft. Um, Facts. Also home of uh, Kevin Wilmot, who won an Oscar recently re- writing with uh, Spike Lee. Mm-hmm. And a host of other people. Ed Asner, who just passed away, grew up three blocks away from me. But his mm-hmm. neighborhood was a lot different from the one I grew up in. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, I thought y'all was cousins. Like. Yeah, I was, he, was pre, he, was pre, he was pre-reverse gentrification, and I was post. Um, <laughs> and now it's funny, because it's turning back around. You know, right, so right. things happen. But, um, but I grew up in an area, though, in, in the Midwest, where um, kind of the idea of working in this business was a foreign concept. Mm. You know, so... But I was fortunate because I was a kid who grew up with a father and a mother, which was rare amongst my friends and my peer set. And they encouraged me to explore the different things I was passionate about. So I was passionate at a young age of watching movies and mm-hmm. watching TV shows and reading books and storytelling, basically, and writing even, you know. Can, can I ask you, I'm being interrupting you yeah. a little bit. Just, just so we have, like, I apologize. Um, did you grow up, is your neighborhood like more like a working class neighborhood? Was it the hood? Like just out of curiosity, what was it like? Well, I would say, I mean, now that I've traveled and seen, you know, different levels of, you know, blue collar and poverty, <laughs> um, we were what I would say middle class, middle class, working class. Okay. So, okay. you know, in Cali, in L.A., the equivalent would be like in Inglewood. Okay, cool. What yeah. I would say. Because I was just curious because I grew up, you know, in East Palo Alto. I'm not from the D and lived in Brooklyn, but I grew up. I just claimed Menlo in East Palo Alto. Right. And I was the only kid that I knew at my my age who had his mother and father. Right. The only motherfucker that I knew. I'm right. sure there was somebody else. I just didn't know him. You right. Know what I mean? So I, when I heard that, I was wondering if there was some similarity. Like yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting because <clears throat> you get into like breakdowns of levels of, right. of uh, poverty and blue collar. I did not grow up in poverty, but I grew up in, even in, in my area, for the kids who didn't have two parents, they did have at least loving support. So if they were raised by an aunt Facts. or a grandmother, there mm-hmm. are people that actually did give a fuck about them. Right. This is pre-crack, so, by the way. That's why I personally. <laughs> yeah, and like, I, I grew up now, during you know crack. what I'm saying? I, yeah, but, we, but, we, were, we were doing crack. We were doing that area of, uh, right. of you know, where the most dangerous thing to be by far, and it mm-hmm. always is, but definitely during that time was a young black male. Right. That was, you know, just right. by being a young black male, there was, a decent chance, you know, Facts. one out of three, you know, that you're going to either be incarcerated or, you know, get a bullet in your back yep. at some point. Yep. And that played out with my peers, you know, growing up. But mm-hmm. that said, we grew up in an area where people did actually care about whether or not we lived or died. So, okay. and that to me is a blessing into its own, mm-hmm. right? It's, sure. it's its its own kind of privilege based, you know, com- in comparison to other kids I knew who didn't even have that. Right. Right. So, I had that at a young age, and that kind of helped me to kind of at least be able to look into things that that I dreamed about. Mm -hmm. They didn't snuff out my dreams at an early age. It kind of kept that fire going. So I started to look into storytellers that I admired, you know, who were responsible for the things that I actually enjoyed. Mm -hmm. And so my whole story (laughs) ends up being like I was able to to just look into how things are made, you know, just who is the person that, that made do the right thing, who's the person that made... Uh, boys in the hood, mm-hmm. you know, who's the person that made King in New York? Who, you know, who are the people responsible for mm-hmm. this? And how did they get to their, you know, to where they could do it? Mm-hmm. I was always obsessed with that. So, and what I found with entertainment, as we all know, is that there's all different paths. 
There's not one way there's to no do it. Path. No. There's no path. There's no <laughs> there is path real no path. Same. Right. I mean, this is the thing that Jeff Thorne says, and I think it's the greatest analogy of it. It's like it's a dam, and there's small <laughs> little holes in it. And yeah. the minute you get through that hole, some machine comes down and spackles it up. <laughs> wow. And there's no way. And no, and <laughs> That's no a real zip. And, and no one's following That's that same path. Because <clears throat> I think what happens is, is that, you know, everyone hears a story, mm -hmm. and you know, I think part of how you break in is is that you like tell a story about yourself or or, or, or as a way to tell yourself mm -hmm. that's different than anybody else. Right. And people go, oh shit, I want to have you or you know like in, uh, somehow like that sparking and compelling. Right. And therefore, some someone else can't come in and tell that story or, or say that path mm -hmm. because if that person, <clears throat> the first person, has, has become somewhat you know big. People, then people know that story, right. and the mistake that people make made is that that story gets gets talked about in the press. Mm. And I go, hey, that's what I need to do. You can't do that thing. No, it's right. been done. It's been, it's been written about. Then you really can't right. do it. Right. right. So yeah. You know, it's interesting too because like there's that whole, you know, it's it's a larger thing that got co-opted by Hollywood, where you know the American dream, the idea that mm -hmm. you can come and you know be whatever you are and, and make make yourself great so to it's speak. the 50s it's beautiful right <laughs> hollywood took that shit though and ran with it where you know that hollywood dream that idea that everybody mm -hmm. still reads to this day was like oh everybody's an overnight success you right. can just come out and you know just you get discovered in a grocery store and next day you become something mm -hmm. is kind of does a disservice to what you're talking about with the like the specifics how mm -hmm. each story is actually really unique and and often has combination of perseverance and hard work right. but also a lot of things that you know are out of your control you know? a lot uh, I, I to me i would say most things are out of your control mm -hmm. i would say that what what, what drives people mad is they think they can that they think that they can control the whirlwind and they can't hmm. and if you just can control yourself mm -hmm. and what you're doing that, you know so when the whirlwind comes around mm -hmm. well then you can make sure that you can fly right, right. you know because otherwise it's like it's very it's, uh, I mean, I mean, look, we all get mad when we're like, hey, are they going to read my script yet? Or blah, blah, blah. And it's like, you can't. Where's the notes? What are they going to say? Yes. You can't make them do anything. No. You know, you got to wait and be cool. And, and, and that's where I think, I, mean, I remember when I was younger and out here. Hurry you up meet, and wait. You know, yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. But you meet people who, who, uh, who don't have the patience for stuff, mm -hmm. and that like fucks them up, mm -hmm. and they get, and they burn out and they, they flame out. You know, they're not a burnout; it's different. But they flame out. So yeah. that happens where they can't stay out here. They think something's big. They or they get on. A, they get some nice job, not knowing it's gonna not gonna last, and they go buy some big ass crit. Whatever Ooh, they did, right. it, it's you know. You see, you can't control those things. Um, it's interesting. It's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I would say too with all of that is it's kind of like those. Those are pitfalls you're going to find in any business. Mm -hmm. you know? that, that same person will go on Wall Street and, you know, all of a sudden if they hit big on a stock, it's like they buy the Rolls Royce or right. whatever. That's self-discipline in any business. Right. If, if I hit big in the oil business, you know, do I go out and buy three yachts or do I kind of like... Two and a half, maybe. Two and a half, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got to... Oh, no, you're right. You're right. I think it's, it's interesting. You know, you mentioned that the Hollywood co-opted this thing. I was watching something last year... And they showed it was something about emotional intelligence, and it was some. And they were showing a clip from the original *Star Is Born*, like the really mm. from the '30s. Mm. And there's a scene in there where it's like she's, I think she's from Kansas City or something like that. Like the, the I forget what the actress's name. Um, and she's and her family's telling her no, no, no. 
And it's like, but she says, I have this dream. I don't want to die. I, do, I don't mm. want to let it die from out here because all these naysayers mm. tell him I can't do it. And it's all everyone in the family at this mm-hmm. point because she's telling him at, at dinner. Um, and it's, it's and I feel, because I'm, I'm going to bring this back to you about what you're saying is just of like, you know, the thing I hear a lot from a lot of people is they don't, is that they weren't exposed to the creators of stuff and they didn't know there were these creators mm-hmm. and it's interesting that you say okay so who did like, so so who made mm-hmm. boys in the hood who made right. spike i mean uh do the right thing you mentioned gordon parks you know mm-hmm. i like i remember when i was a kid and i saw shaft for the first time mm-hmm. and i was like oh i was like gordon parks i said okay whatever I, i'm like i don't know who that was but there was a there was a magazine as a, a hardback my parents had of Gordon Parks' work at Life, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, this guy, this is the same guy who mm-hmm. did that movie, you know, and then he's black, and I was like, that, and I saw it as a young age, and it mm-hmm. kind of gave me this 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 feeling of like, so black people can be in these spaces. Yeah. It's rare, yeah. but they can be and, there. And do it with style. He had the greatest mustache maybe in the history of Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> that Ted yeah, Lang mustache. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Yeah. So, yeah, no, that uh, that idea of, of giving the credit or the flowers, as people like to say now, to the people that actually were responsible for the content, you know, that, that also was a different kind of uh, credit to me than – what we would get in other areas, you know. I, I came from an area where sports were really big, right? Mm-hmm. So to be an athlete, to, be, to make it to the NBA or to the NFL was a really big, a lot of times, the goal for most, you know, black men mm-hmm. that I knew. But to get credit for being an artist, you know, having to use your creativity and not just your physical body, to me, was always an attractive alternate of form of success. Right. Where it's like, all right, you, not that it... Not that it necessarily takes away from any success in any other area, but I found that these were areas that there was just still a lot of potential. To be able to take your mind and be able to create things and be successful with that and build something and then hopefully, you know, leave a legacy. Mm-hmm. To me, that's always been appealing. So I've been fortunate to have people before me that were able to do that. And even Oscar Micheaux, obviously, right. you know, mm-hmm. and even before him, the storytellers, the griots, if you want to go all the way back. Yeah, right. um, but building on that tradition of being able to get that out now in an American form, it's always been attractive to me. So, you know, I was able to kind of study that. And and also coming from the Midwest, not knowing anybody, my form, like I said, everybody's path is different, was academia. You okay. know, my parents were big into to education. So I went to Morehouse. I studied, you know, film there. Because Spike went there, right. mainly. Samuel Jackson went there. And I went there to... to take the same teachers and professors that, that he had. Mm-hmm. You know, I went to USC because of that, you know, in order to kind of like hone my craft. And by no means do I say that that's the only path, you know, like that's just, that was my path. But it allowed me to kind of like continue to, to really kind of get into what are the nuts and bolts, how does this whole thing work, you know, and at the same time, sharpen my own skill. You right, know, right. That marketable skill that you need. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically along the way, kind of figure out, like, there's so many different ways to tell stories. I mean, can know. I ask you a question? Morehouse, do they have a good, like, film and TV department and stuff there, or theater and whatever? Morehouse, <laughs> when I was there, and I'm going to try not to, well, here's the thing. Um, well, I'm sure it changed now because now no, it's so it's, hot, but just yeah, yeah, it was at the time. The way it was set up when I was there is that there are certain courses you could take. They're mainly based in writing, okay. you know, like screenwriting courses, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. If you actually want to take 
practical on-hands production, you had to skip across the way to Clark, Clark Atlanta University, mm-hmm. okay. where they had teachers like Dr. Dr. Eichelberger. Mm-hmm. You'd go down to the basement of the <laughs> library and you could take cinematography, you could mm-hmm. take directing with actors and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But because the AUC, the Atlanta University Center at the time, was all one unit, you could take classes across you know, um, colleges. So you could be a student at Morehouse and I could oh, take I a screenwriting that. class okay. at Spelman mm-hmm. and I could take a cinematography class at Clark. Hmm. Mo Brown had his own thing too, but you know, like, <laughs> I'm not gonna shit on Mo Brown. <laughs> I respect Mo Brown. Um, but basically you could kind of like choose your own kind of buffet, you know, platter of like what you wanted to get out of it. And I, I dug that too, because that also, we all got to be hustlers and we all got to figure yep. out kind of our own path. That's That was a way of also encouraging you to figure out what you wanted that to be, yep. you know, and all the opportunities there that, you know, you get out and get on professional sets and, you know, that's all about what is your own hustle? What right. what an opportunity you find, yep. you make the most out of it and coming out of there, you know, I was able to say, all right, you know, I've, I've been a PA on many, many sets. You know, I've been an assistant cameraman on, on various different, you know, mm-hmm. productions, professional and otherwise. You know, ended up being a PA back in KC after that on, um, or actually, no, that was right That was right before that. That was one of my earliest gigs. I was a PA on the Robert Altman film, uh, Kansas City, when he, oh. when he shot oh, yeah, that yeah, I was there. gonna talk about that. See, bring it back around. So I was able to pick up a lot of the stuff of what it is to work yeah as a crew member, what goes into actually physically making these things? How do you tie knots? What's an Apple box? Mm-hmm. You know, what are the different lenses on a camera? What's the C-stand? What's the C-stand? <laughs> How do you break it down? What's it's the, the first thing I teach PAs the, there's to do there's when that, they come it, on the set. It, then there's the yeah. language of the set, you yeah. know, like uh, there's, it's, I think the cool, I think the most fascinating thing about working in the writer's room or working on set is, uh, it's not just probably in so many other professions, but there's, there's this, there's a vocabulary yeah. for the job. Yes. And it's very interesting. You know, I remember when, yeah. was the, when I was first on PA, they would, uh, what do they call them? C47s. <laughs> right? And I was like, what the fuck are y'all talking about? And it's like, oh, it's the laundry clip. You know, it's <laughs> all these little things you, yeah. that you get that you don't, yeah. um, uh, that to me, it's, it's part of the magic of making movies. Yeah. It's like, hey, we, like, we have a language of how to do this. Because I think that, like, you know, if you're in physics or if you're mm-hmm. in law, there's a language to that too. Right. That is, you know, that I'm not saying it's, I'm not saying it's the elitist, but it, it, but it is to agree. But it, but it helps everyone stay on the same lane. So there's no, so 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 the mistakes get minimized. Yeah, well, you know, it's, it's interesting with that too. You know, um, that military background of you know a lot of crew members that coming out of World War II and those technical terms kind of coming out of that military regiment. I've always found it to be interesting because it's it's never died, you know. Yeah, like that's, yeah. It's still there's still elements from that generation with a lot of terminology that we use now. Exactly. And even though it seems like there's, you know, everyone's enjoying their job and there's a casualness to it that's a little different than say the military. There is a very clear system of mm-hmm. you know what reference points you need. What you know what jargon you use, you know, and clearly how things have been communicated. The other thing that I actually love that people don't really talk about too much is that's a legacy of tradition, you know. Yes. Uh, A grip now kind of uses the same terminology 
and kind of dresses for the most part the same as the grips before him <laughs> yes. and yes. the grips before him. At some point, cargo shorts came in because I don't think that, that was a thing. <laughs> I know, probably. they all wear no. But like, you know, it's, it's, it's uniform like no yeah. matter where you go. If I'm yeah. shooting in New York, mm. Or I'm shooting in LA, yeah. or I'm shooting yeah. in Chicago. It'd be right. cold, and them motherfuckers be in them same goddamn cargo yeah, shirts. But, yeah, but see, here's the thing, this is the thing, right? You know what I realize about it? It's because they're lifting a lot of shit, and they, and, and they get hot. Yeah. You mm -hmm. know, and if your legs get cold, just think about if you're out in the wintertime anywhere. If your legs get cold, that's when you really get cold. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know? So if you keep your legs cool, when you're like 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 moving boxes and the cranes and the dollies and shit, then you, then you stay cool, you know? But um, yeah. yeah, it's interesting because I used to, you know, because every once in a while like, you go and look at these um, you know, they used to, they used to have this at the DGA. They would have these the these stills in the lobby of all these from the old sets, you mm -hmm. know, and just everyone is like the the clothing they wore, you know, like the mm -hmm. one you, know, you, you always see the directors in like suits and shit, mm -hmm. like, <laughs> little berets and shit, yeah, wearing an ascot. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I, I think the, the only word guy you get the you pipe from piping an ascot. I'm saying that's not even work. You sit back, chilling. Exactly. If you got a mask on, you really sit back. <laughs> uh, Scarf just yeah, rolls. Yeah, <laughs> because uh, um, what was I gonna say? I think Chris Nolan was the only guy who wears a suit now. I think yeah, really? direct. Yeah, does he wear a full suit? I've seen him in person a couple times. Actually, I've seen him here. And he's usually like in like a sport jacket and like well, nice yeah, jeans, yeah, yeah. some sneakers I mean, or yeah, something. But, you know? I mean, yeah. a lot of times I see him on these you know production stills, and he's got on you know slacks and okay. loafers and shit like not loafers, but he's got some leather shoes on and, okay. a, and a sports jacket. He does not kind of play. play I like around. that. I appreciate that. Yeah, because he wants to be. He wants to be serious. <clears> you know. I mean, I th I think there's a degree to. I think part of it. One of the things I always find interesting in the show I'm working on now and other shows and stuff that I've done is the degree of like um, how precise you you would have to be when you're shooting on film mm -hmm. that you're not necessarily when you're shooting digitally you know that I think kept the there's there's a kind of tension on set when you're shooting on film oh yeah because he's like you know we're not gonna have yeah, to you can't fuck up we can't <laughs> you, you can't know, just erase it and go right back cause, cause, because <laughs> because they're checking the budget how much exactly. you shot that mm -hmm. day you know right. in terms of how much it's gonna cost how much, right. now, they, it doesn't matter how much you just like, now you cost us money right. um, it's, it's interesting there's that there's a sense of like there's a different sense of uh like you said like the, there's the regimen of it you mm -hmm. know because I've mm -hmm. seen a lot I mean I don't know I have a big thing about looking at how films were made in the past. Like the, mm. I love. I saw something from Sound of Music the other day. Mm. You know, they're outside. They got five of these big ass arc lights that no one even uses today, and it's just like shining right in Christopher Plummer's face mm. with no diffusion. I was like, mm -hmm. that's he's going blind. Well, you know what happened to Diana Ross from the the the, the when she went the the Oz. Uh, no, no. What happened? Like she she lost her viewing in one of her eyes because oh, really? of the oh the light it was, was a harsh light. Yeah, and they were shooting all day in the light. You ever just stare at a fucking light? It's yeah. awful. Yeah, it's tough. you know. So she got fucked up. Like one of her eyes are bad. Yeah. yeah. So <clears throat> how do you go from PAing and working these things and graduating Morehouse to coming out to LA? Uh, I knew, I mean, I knew early on in looking at who was responsible for the different things, you know, that obviously there are different paths that you could take. But I also knew, and again, coming from a background where academia was stressed, that there were these things called film schools. You mm -hmm. know, I knew that, you know, at an early age too. So what I would look towards is kind of like the people that I admired. You know, and again, I'm looking at the Oscar Shows, which is independent film, you mm -hmm. know, and, and 
Gordon Parks, who did it through photography, and I didn't have a talent for that. You know, and I'm looking at Spike, who did it through New York, NYU, Morehouse, NYU. <clears throat> um, but there's something about that that I related to less coming from the Midwest than when John did his thing at USC. Mm, okay. Um, the culture's are a little bit closer, the West Coast to where I came from. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I grew up with gang culture. Mm-hmm. I grew up I grew up very much like relating to boys in the hood more than do the right thing, even though I respected them both. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So for me, when in seeing the, the John on the SC, that was a big thing for me. And also, frankly, the colors, the pageantry. Mm-hmm. On the sports side, they had a black quarterback, Rodney Pete, who was, you know, <laughs> who was dope, you know. So that just spoke to me, and that's what brought me out west was to, you know, in essence, try to go to a place. And understanding this, too, if you're breaking it down further, right, if you're going NYU, you know, you're talking about a little bit more kind of the independent path, you know. So that's mm-hmm. that's the filmmaker who's willing yeah. to, to mortgage their house if they have it or to <laughs> give up, you know, blood or, you mm-hmm. know. For sure. Give up a kidney or whatever to make a film, mm-hmm. which is all respect. I was coming from a place where it was like, well, if I can get money to do it and I don't have to sell my parents' house, I'm going to try that first. You right, know? right. If that doesn't work out, then I'll resort to the others. But I'm not going to go straight to giving the kidney. You know? right. <laughs> I'm, I'm a, I'll be sitting in the bathtub. <laughs> you still got to play Sally Mae. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Sally Mae is like hunting you down. Yeah, yeah, get you. Yeah. not play. She's the ultimate skip trace. Right? <laughs> yeah. Talking about Candyman, that's his wife right there. She don't be fucking. Hey, up. hey, yeah, don't say her name. Do not say their name. But that's that's real though. That's very very real. And that's right now we're seeing that you know as a problem with higher education is that 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 cost is considerate. Mm-hmm. I also had a little bit of that that um, black man baggage where you know I looked around seeing black people in debt. You know, mm-hmm. and yeah. where I come from is a lot of people that that's why they decide not to go to college because they want to avoid that. Yeah. So I'm like, whatever I can do to mitigate that and try to pursue what I'm pursuing, and yes, give everything I can, but also to do it in in. And as like a responsible, kind of like efficient way as possible. Right. Long story short, that's what ended up for me deciding on SC over you know. Oh, NYU. Yeah. See, it's interesting because what that see for me, like I had really found the voice of the those filmmakers coming out of New York again, like Abel Ferrara, I just have a guy Spike. You know that was so compelling to me because of the work that they were doing, and and it was one of the things when you start looking at movies and you're interested. I mean, y- yes, you're interested in movies as a kid growing up, whatever. You watch them because that's part of our culture, but it's always like the more like it's the films that are that are popular and that had this huge kind of marketing push behind mm-hmm. them. And and this and and then once you start seeing these smaller films that are less known, when you start seeing these these like these voices. That's what really spoke to me, and I had really wanted to go to U- to, to NYU, you know, but I got into USC, and I was like, eh, <laughs> eh you know, I mean, because I it, it just I felt like I mean, but yeah, you it, definitely feel much more, y- yeah, but yeah. in terms of but the thing that I realized is is that out here, uh, I was like, oh, there's like a there's like I don't know the opportunities to actually work in the business. Mm-hmm. Are, are I think exponentially higher than working in New York mm-hmm. because there's le- at this time there's less there's less work in New York there's all this work in L- I mean this is like the early late, late, early 2000s right. there's so much 
production going on in LA. Mm-hmm. You know, they're shooting so there's not shooting that much stuff there. And you realize and then you it would meet people here. I was like, "Oh, you actually can find jobs." And there's like all these other there's all this other ancillary stuff going on that is supporting the industry right. that is a way and we have indie and the college world so right. they're all their right. jobs right all, so it's, I, I, I just you know like because even did I tell you about the head when I got my head scanned yeah 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 tell them tell them okay so there's a scene in our in our in our coming season where somebody gets their head cut off okay and it's supposed to be the showrunner but he broke his foot okay and he was like <laughs> okay and, and a lot of like, things going on yeah and he, he, was like, <laughs> okay. he was like i can't go get my head scanned and he, and he asked any of the writers and they were like no 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 and i said i'll do it i'll do it mm-hmm. so they scanned my head you know and it's gonna be in the scene where <laughs> oh the, nice yeah all right you can um, really see his head too <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, but but uh, but i'm they show what's inside the head <laughs> yeah yes well you see the next you see like the like you know the ah the, okay right the, they cut your head like you know the bones of the neck inside the neck yeah okay yeah okay yeah get, get inside your head yeah, all right yeah, that's, yeah. that's that's gonna be a yeah. deep episode it's crazy <laughs> it's crazy because um when i was there i saw like um he showed me denzel's head from Macbeth. Mm, you know mm. and I, I was like he's like it's gonna look like this and i was mm. like i was like no it's not because that shit looks real mm. like the mm-hmm. eyes were all wet and glassy i was uh, like fuck that's fucking crazy mm. um but job but but i was driving to this place in north in north hollywood and it's just you know it's just this building off somewhere and you're like oh yeah again there's these, all there's all these little ancillary places i go in mm. there they got like three oscars in there a bunch of emmy awards right, I was like, right. oh, and it's so nondescript but it's like here's more of this part of the industry right. that if you're interested in there's a way that you if you want to get in to navigate you mm-hmm. know yeah and, and and getting any kind of job that's you come out you're a writer and you get a job there because that's a job you can do you know it's available to you mm-hmm. you'll still see <clears throat> what's the, the expectations right and the expectations of what of of the industry i think is it translates everywhere you know because it's like very high expectations you know because the people that you might you might run across at any given day because i'm saying to myself oh well denzel came to this place sadness <laughs> is probably in the same seat you know and, so, and yeah. so and so these guys are on the level where they're getting tr- entrusted by the by joel cone right. you know, blah, 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 to do work and then and then there would a room of um other heads they have mm-hmm. is all this other kind of shit and you're like this is like a way where you know where and, and and i know from being on my show like the like you hear the level of expectation that, that everybody wants mm-hmm. when you get to hear what the showrunners are talking about right. you know and, and and what their kind of concerns are what they're back and forth with the line producers and things like that because this is what's cool about i mean because because he lets us hear those conversations mm-hmm. on our show and it's like it's just and so you learn a lot more about what it is and I feel like that's part of the benefit of coming out here to go to school is that you have yeah. access to all I, that. I mean, definitely, I, I look at it as like there's pros and cons to, to any space, you know, mm-hmm. and to, to any choice. And I definitely want to, I try to make it clear too, especially when it comes to people of color in this business. It's like, however you get the knowledge, get it however you need to get yep. it, you know. <clears throat> my, my path happened to lead me to LA and the SC but as we're, you know, looting, for others, New York might be perfect. For others, exactly. film school, fuck film school. Film school, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, just go and just, you know, learn. No matter what, though, you're going to have to pick up that marketable skill, that that skill from, from some place. And here's, a, here's what I would say, what I would say. That said about, you know, the whole L.A. experience is, like, there's there's pros and cons. The pros on one, one hand is that, yes, there's a lot of um, access to, yep. like, different resources, different ways of doing things. 
it's a company town, so everything's built on it, and you'll find people here that take this business more seriously than anywhere else in the world. Right. Even France doesn't take it as seriously. <laughs> um, but, Talking about Lupin's cousin and shit, like <laughs> right, right, right. They'll talk about cinema for sure, but you know, there's just this whole this. You know, there's just a community here that's been built on it, of course, and they, yes. you know, it perfected it. Right. That said, you know, the kind of it is that I think what I tend to find when we're talking about quality of life and talking about self-care and mm -hmm. mental health and all of that is that a business is based on fear and anxiety and it's fueled by it. If you're in an environment, I find where that is the status quo 100% of the time, mm -hmm. you just have to be careful in immersing yourself in it completely because right. that shit can consume you, you know. Um, you see that a lot of times with performers, with actors or comedians or whatever, that after a while, you know, some mm -hmm. weird shit that happens and mm -hmm. you're like, ah, why is that person behaving that way? And it's because a lot of times the business itself can bring out inner demons that are already there. And sometimes it can also Facts. help to exasperate shit that maybe wasn't there before. Yeah. But now mm -hmm. you're starting mm -hmm. to like. So the the thing I would say with LA, New Yorkers love to say this, is just mm. be careful, you know, it's just like. <laughs> you might get what you want, what you wish for, You might for, get right? what you want, but but like the thing that, that and again, these are pros and cons, so for I don't, sure. don't look for at sure. it as like right yeah. or wrong, but like the thing that other places do have, like in New York, is that it's not, it's not entertainment 24 seven. I still gotta go home on the subway. Right. I still gotta go back to Brooklyn or mm -hmm. the Bronx or the Queens. And I still gotta talk to my neighbor who's a plumber, you know? <laughs> Whereas in LA, 24 seven, right. it's- You in your car, you don't have to deal with nobody. If you it don't can want be, to it can be if, yeah. if, you know, it no, can right. be if you're not like mindful of life outside of it, is right. what I'm saying. No, I mean, I mean, look, look, that's a fantastic point about the, I think you think about self-care is very interesting because I meet, a, you know, because you meet a lot of people um, who want to spend a lot of time at the beach mm -hmm. because they kind of need to unplug. You know, I was just talking with um, Sam Miller the other night and he mm -hmm. was like, yeah, I took the subway because he goes in the, I guess, in the upper west side. Right. And, but he took the subway and his bike down to Coney Island and then he just like biked back. It was like four Ooh, hours, like 30 miles. And he was like, I just wanted... It's late at night too, because mm -hmm. he's like, because like, I just want to experience the city now that it's a little more open and see this right when we're hitting the fall, and it's just like, oh yeah, that's an interesting way to kind of unwind, mm -hmm. you know. That's it's, it's not it's, crazy, it's crazy. But damn, that's but it's but serious. It, it's serious, yeah. you know, because it's like it's that's some but, Paul Gio, but, shit it, right but there. it's yeah, <laughs> but it's fascinating to see, like, you know, I mean, it's like that kind of um, uh, like again, you said it's not like it's not. It's not twenty four seven entertainment. Mm -hmm. It's like, hey, I can stop and do this. I mean, like you know, like the other night I was over at uh, someone's house. And we were talking about movies, and she, this producer was asking me. She was like, so, you know, I talk with a lot of writers, and they just write all the time. Like even on the weekend, they write. Like, are you finding time where you're like, like not writing on one of the days? And I was mm -hmm. like, I am now. You know, <laughs> I mean, yeah. for 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 like a couple years ago, for a couple years I wasn't mm -hmm. because I because I need you know I because because I had to reinvent myself. I had to do all this kind of new stuff. I couldn't use any of the old scripts that I had, and it's like and so like I had well, you to wrote write, like seven yeah. eight things and like I know I do I write all this stuff yeah and um and but now I'm just like I need it now like mm. you you mm. realize how much you need that downtime right. just so you can be fresh for, for for the work you know so you you know you can because uh, part of when you're not working is that your the time becomes amorphous you know just like whatever yeah. I can do hey stuff. Aaron yeah. let, me, let me just ask you just while we're talking about yeah. that sorry we're jumping around forgive yeah. me that's why we call the rant room <laughs> <laughs> um, 
What is your writing schedule in general? Like for me, I get in here usually about noon, which sounds late, but it's because right. I get up, I go to the gym, I do my shit. Right. <clears throat> and then I come in but I'm from like noon to like six and I'm done. You know, I get in, I get out, but I'm sitting here at that fucking desk. Like I got my weights in here. Like every 45 minutes, I work out for like 10 minutes to get myself back, change the music to whatever I'm doing. And then I go back again, but I'm like pushing. I always got two or three things I'm doing. And after that, I'm like, okay. I'm done. Right. <laughs> you know, right. I'm just curious of what your right. usual thing you is. Notice there's a theme. He works out a lot. That's yeah. what he's saying. I'm it's insecure. Like, <laughs> oh, well. I'm a black gay man in Hollywood. Yeah. God damn it. <laughs> hey, that's, that's actually, it can be a prior position here. I, I feel. <laughs> you can't be. Uh, yeah. But we got to be pretty, though. You yeah. got to be pretty. <laughs> that's, yeah, not, that's true. That's, you seen Ben, kind of ben Corey Jones with the abs all out? That's the, that's the hashtag writers are sexy. Yeah. Where's the hashtag writers are okay? <laughs> writers. <laughs> What about the, the dudes who, you know, start working on this shit? Um, <laughs> Said to do with the cutest little girl in the world, okay? <laughs> Love my Sammy Rose, okay? Happy Fridays. Yes. I mean, to answer your question, I'm going to say something that um, is blasphemous, I think, for That's most great. writers. Because most you're taught, you know, a writer writes always, right? Mm-hmm. Write every day. I, I personally feel like a lot of times when people are talking about that, what they're referring to is typing. You know, I, I consider writing to be a lot of different things. I agree. You know, so I'm not always writing. Right. Sometimes I'm reading. Right. Sometimes I'm watching. You right. Know, so go and, ahead. E- and even like that procession comes from people I know that are outside of the business. When I have a, you know, an uncle who's, who's going like, all right, you know, you, you're writing. And what he means is, you know, when they're referring to it as, especially by some who think that it's an easy thing, what they're referring to is sitting down at a computer and typing right. keys. I consider writing to be anytime I'm coming up with story concepts, characters, I'm thinking mm-hmm. about scenes that I want to play. A lot of that work to me, for me, is done away from the keyboard. Mm. I'll come up with some of my best ideas a lot of times. Like That's you. You go to your walks and shit, don't you? Yeah. yeah. You know, whether there's mm-hmm. walks or hikes or exercising or in the mm-hmm. shower or, or on drives, you know, I'll, I'll get a lot of, quote, you know, quote unquote writing done when I'm away from the keyboard. Mm-hmm. By the time I sit down at a keyboard, I've normally worked it out enough mm-hmm. so that I have exactly what I want to type. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And, and it's, it's to each his own. Everybody has their own style. Some people like to sit down and kind of grind it out, you know, at the keyboard. I'm, I tend to be one that I, my mind, the endorphins start to kick in when I'm kind of like, a lot of times when I'm thinking about other shit, frankly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I was mm-hmm. that kid that, you know, if I'm listening to a podcast or listening to a lecture or if I was at church and the, the mm-hmm. preacher's, pre- I'll come up with ideas. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes I feel a little guilty about it, but like, oh, that's a good idea. <laughs> that's, that's, are you that's, are you a soundtrack guy? You got to play a little soundtrack? I'm a, I'm a big soundtrack and score guy. Oh, that's you, Chris. So I, I'm score all day. I yeah. have score all day. It's so hard for me to write with. Chris talks about score on this show all the like time. With, with lyrics, yeah. it's mm. really hard mm. for me to do any writing because I'll invariably like like the thought of the thought of the songwriter will get into me, mm. and I don't want that because that's like that's the story of your talent. I'm trying to figure out my story, mm-hmm. you know. But but you look. I mean, I agree with you 100 percent because you know there's so many ideas I mean look I'll put something on there's some lecture someone will send me or some, hey, you just on YouTube blah, blah blah someone's talking about something and they'll say some idea I'm like oh shit oh, yeah. that's what I need to be writing about mm-hmm. right now that solves what I want to do mm-hmm. or someone will say a turn of phrase yes. and I'm like okay you know what that meant something more to me than what they thought it meant mm-hmm. you know uh, I just saw that just the other day I was reading this I, you know how they have this those those Vanity Fair things where like 
you know, they take the actor and they say, hey, so talk about your career. It's mm-hmm. like a little video. I saw one with Jodie Foster the other day. She was saying something about <clears throat> the scene when she was getting raped on in The Accused. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and she was saying something about how, like, for her, like, um, survival is like surviving intact. It's a difference in just surviving. Intact. Yeah. yeah. And That's I was important. Like, oh. I was like, fuck. Hmm. I, need to, I just wrote it down and I was like, at the end of at the end of Ink Stains, mm-hmm. I was like, "Oh, I I can it helped me change the last monologue. So nice. I tweaked it a little bit, you mm-hmm. know, like, oh, because because you just hear like an idea from somewhere that's like, especially if it's like some sort of like nugget of philosophy, you know, that like can can spark in your mind, you know, mm-hmm. and that uh, I mean, and it's like I always keep the um, the voice memo on my phone, like mm-hmm. in the car, like that's up. So I guess I hear something on the radio or right. something. It's like I'm gonna talk it out mm-hmm. real fast, you know. We're not real fast, but I'm gonna talk it out so I don't forget it because I'm not mm-hmm. gonna, not gonna type it. Yeah, it's, it's helpful to to have that ready to go, you know, to record those moments of of lightning bolt striking, you yeah. know, basically, um, and being open to that. To me, that's that is an effective form of writing. Sure, you know, mm-hmm. it's it's kind of being open to the things around you, you know, whether it's again like. Turns of phrases that you hear, images that you see, yep. you know, sounds sometimes that, that you hear. Being mindful of that and being open to that and collecting as many of those as, as possible. So, in a way, I'm kind of always writing. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it comes to kind of that, to answer your question, and when it comes to kind of like what's the, the set, you know, kind of like schedule, I've also been fortunate that I've been working on TV shows constantly for you probably a while. have a month off a whole year <laughs> most of the time, right? So I don't, I, I don't necessarily, I haven't been able to really set my schedule in a minute. Okay, okay, you know, right. it's, it's like I get up and go into the room. Right. You know, that's been my schedule. Mm-hmm. And if I'm writing on my own, it's like maybe brainstorming over lunch or I'm a night owl. So a lot mm-hmm. of times, you know, for whatever reason, ideas will come to me between like 11 p.m. and 2 a.m. Mm-hmm. and whatever, you know, the world is quiet, I guess. And I'll, you know, then put those ideas down and and just collect them, you know, right. collect them or collect the scene or collect the moment, and you know, so that's that's how it tends to come to me. Um, I love that because one of the things that we talk about is, you know, to me, writing when you're writing specifically scripts, scripts to me are like a puzzle. Mm-hmm. So there really is no order you have to write in. Mm-hmm. You could you could write that last scene mm-hmm. or that that favorite scene of yours or that action scene, whatever. Start from somewhere. It's all going to come together eventually. Mm-hmm. But those are the cool things that I love. So I love how you say you take that and put that over there. That's kind of what I'm talking about. You just start to build this thing. You know, whether you write it freehand or whether you type it all out, it doesn't matter. It's your your I, way. I will say this too. I find <clears throat> with writers. Um, it's interesting, like, you know, writers write for different reasons, too, where I find yes. that, that for some, really just love telling a good story, you mm-hmm. know. Um, for some, they're, I find that more, more than, than more writers are, are like this than they would like to admit, but really, you know, they kind of have that one or two stories that they just, it helps them to just process shit mm-hmm. in life, right? And they'll tell that story over Same and over Same theme, again. all the time. Whether that's yeah. a family drama or right. that's a space opera, you know, it's kind of <laughs> like, all right, but that's really about your your dad abandoning you when you were I'm, five. I'm one of those people. You know? I, I write underdog stories. Right. Everything you read, you watch it, me like, oh, it's still right, there. Right, right, right. <laughs> we're in the 1800s, yeah. the same thing. You know what I mean? It's a self-awareness, yeah. and, and it can be effective. Some of the most, right. I think, some of the, the best storytellers we ever had, if, if mm-hmm. you know, a, a version of that. What I realize about myself is I come from kind of like a kind of a 
debater preacher background which mm. is i got shit to say you know right. so that's what drives me you know in some ways i kind of envy those who can just look to tell a story i just want to tell a story and just you know explore <laughs> realism you know exactly, or yeah. what is existence and <laughs> I mean, and i respect this so i'm not trying to like shit on it I, that's some of my favorite shit no but no you're you know, absolutely right you're absolutely right i mean look i mean i I, you know what, to me, like, I choose stories that don't, um, I can't forget, you know, the, 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 the I myself, I'm like, oh, oh, I just, keep, it keeps popping back up. Mm -hmm. So much stuff going on, blah, 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 and right, and it's like, oh, but remember that, remember this idea, remember mm -hmm. this, or someone, someone will come and say, this would be good for that story, right. this would be good for that story, this, you know, and it's like, you know, I, I don't know if there's anything that really, it's like a theme that I, like, rely on, or something like that, or, or if I want to, I mean, there's, there's always something I want to say, you know, right. like once I start figuring out what the story's about, I'm like, oh, I got to figure out what it is that makes it worth telling. Right. You know, that's the main thing. Right. That you, mm -hmm. that you write some, I mean, you write something and you go, this isn't about anything. I mean, there's the story there and the mm -hmm. characters are, but in my mind, it's like, it's not about anything. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not, a, it's not telling something higher than me or right. higher than anybody but that, that and maybe that's what it is i love to kind of like look at that you know mm -hmm. like, like what's something that is 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 a big idea that when we you know it was like i you know it's one of these things when i was doing like my orson wells movie it was mm -hmm. like what is really the story about you know in my own mm -hmm. head i was like writing it i was like do we have second acts in life you know, because at that time in my life, I was trying to come right. up with that second act in right. my life. You're reinventing yourself. Yeah. yeah, and I was like, "Do we have that?" Mm -hmm. And I was like, "Yes, we." You know, and and that allowed me to take that story, but a very specific guy who's who's working in a in a career that, in a type of life that is so removed from almost everybody, mm -hmm. and right. try to try to make it accessible because everyone can maybe I was like yeah imagine if you were a surgeon and you had a, a malpractice suit then mm -hmm. you know like can you come back from that right or, or, or right. all these things that like, if you go so far then fuck it up yeah. what's the next move for you so what I find what I find really interesting about what we do and the arts you know the arts married with the, the commerce of it mm -hmm. all is like any given story can be handled Completely differently based on who's telling it, right? Yeah. So you could take all of that. our point of view would be we but would have all, the same story. It's and all shaped. Would be it's all shaped right. by our own points exactly. of view. I, yeah. I find that fascinating. You could take that that question of do we have a second, you know, uh, do we have a second chance in life, and you put that in the hands of a different mm -hmm. storyteller, and they might say no, you don't. Right, <laughs> right, you know? right. It's a tragedy. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. No, no, but but that's <clears throat> the thing. That the thing is the thing is is all about like. For me, it's like, what's that question that I'm trying to ask? Like, mm -hmm. what's the, the 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 argument? Like, the, what's the fuck his name? The 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 poetics guy, the Aristotle's poetics. Like, like, what's the argument that mm -hmm. you're trying to address? And if you are addressing that argument, you know, that to me is what helps me like like really like hone in on a movie when I'm writing it, because yeah. or anything. It's like mm -hmm. because once you get to a certain level of competence as a writer, then you know the scenes can work. The, the whole story can work but but I think what would make something like resonate with other people to say hey we want to green light this is are you asking a question like there's a larger question than just mm -hmm. the story question the story the question of the, of the characters because that's it's, it's ultimately 
that's when you watch the show or a movie. Like if, if it resonates with you, it's because it's speaking to you on a subconscious level. Right. That's really only there if the writer really thought about putting it there. Right. Well, it's interesting because I've I've heard you on interviews and at the Writers Guild and different different things in person, like kind of soft pitch. Even what we're jumping just a little bit mm-hmm. to um, on SWAT, and and I hear that when you talk about why you made SWAT. Right, right. You know what I mean? There's different models with, with any of that. And and even what, what Chris is indicating too, there's there's even like the things that maybe help you on the marketing, you know, business side. Mm-hmm. How do you get something on the air? And then there are things that are just purely artistic. Like, you know, these things are not easy to make. Right. If you're gonna make sacrifices, meaning like there are times where you're not gonna see loved ones. There there are times where you're gonna be spending, you know, your every waking moment working on this. For you, what what is what deserves that time? Yeah. For me, it deserves it if I actually feel like I'm adding to a larger conversation mm-hmm. that's larger to me. And that's even aside from like you know whether or not Hollywood's going to recognize it. Right, yeah. it's purely like I'm going to be busting my ass on this. Is it worth <laughs> it? Right, and for me, it, it's a, it feels a lot more worth it if I feel like I'm I'm actually trying to be part of the conversation in a way that's going to push things <clears> forward. I honestly, I give people credit who you know are able to do the thing of like, nah, I'm just trying to make some shit, you know, and yeah, like, that's, I mean, yeah. that's a big sacrifice to yeah. make just to like to, try to, to make, make some yeah. shit, make some just, shit, just, just to do anything. Yeah, yeah it's tough. It's tough. I mean, it's interesting you bring it up about SWAT. Cause I want to this. And, I mean, you talk about this a lot, but I just I feel it's an interesting thing. <clears throat> you know, last summer you had that article about in the post George Floyd, like you mm-hmm. know how we're we gonna approach like telling these. Please put that in show notes too. That I shit put in show notes. Dope. Yeah, put in show notes. Yeah. Um, and I just feel like again, like you know, what you said in that about like how are we going to be able to tell these stories mm-hmm. and be right. part of the conversation? Right. Because that is what made, you know, I I, m- I remember someone was telling me that that late summer, that late summer, like July or so, they're like that I can make cop shows anymore. Like hmm. this would be the, like the shows in the air now will be the last ones because we can't make any we can't show cops as being good anymore. Hmm. You know, and I was like, I mean, that's you know what? I bet you black people feel that way completely. <laughs> we don't want to see them really glorified at all. But at the same time, I just so I so I I, I think it's interesting in terms of like because I thought the first you know like I thought the first three seasons of SWAT were really interesting, you know, but. But in the wake of that, mm-hmm. and how you're going to handle that, and it's all coming from you because you're running that show, and you're and the voice, and the not just the voice, but I mean the voice means like the point of view and the philosophy of the show. What I'm trying mm-hmm. to do is now different now because of what's happening in the world. You know, I feel right. you know, some people say I'm just making something, making something. They're not considering what's happening in the world. It's topical, yeah, right? For sure. Well, it's it's interesting. I mean, I I do. You know, it's the Midwest of me. I, I do look at it always as a team effort, right? And we had a lot of collaborators that fortunately, because if any of them were on a different page or wanted to do it differently or felt like, you know, nah, fuck that Black Lives Matter shit. Like, you know, <laughs> like, wanna, that would make the whole thing a lot more complicated and, mm-hmm. and a lot more you're fighting internal fights when you're not putting your maximum effort into trying to make sure what's on the screen reflects, right. you know, pushing that, that conversation mm-hmm. forward. So I had great collaborators too, you know, in the effort to make what we're, you know, making. You know, it's interesting with cop shows because I definitely understand and get a lot of the frustration, you know, obviously with what's been going on this past year. Mm-hmm. And that's that's something that I would say is 
I always say it's timely, but really it's more timeless, right? Mm-hmm. That's been, that's, go back to any generation, it's the same mm-hmm. thing, just with different technology. Totally. And that's one of the things we want to highlight on the show, right, is that, you know, you go back a generation, you had the Watts riots here in L.A., you go mm-hmm. back a generation before that, you had, if you've ever seen L.A. Confidential, there was cop mm-hmm. shit going on, mm-hmm. that's in yeah. the 20s and 30s. Mm-hmm. And don't even look at going beyond that because you get, you know, earlier than that, you get into like some real Wild West type, you know. <laughs> yeah. And before that, you got the, you know, you got the slave brigades and, you know, they're hunting down like, you know, escaped slaves that were coming out west. It's always been problematic, you know. Um, but at the same time, I, I also, you know, I'm a kid that grew up watching, you know, certain cop stories that I enjoyed, you know, right. I, I liked Hill Street Blues, you mm-hmm. know, in the 80s. I, I liked when, you know, anytime we had, you know, the few men of color who were actually action heroes back then, whether it was Avery Brooks and the man called yes. Hawk, right. or, you know, even Carl Weathers and Action Jackson, yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I looked, I felt like that was a breath of fresh air. Mm-hmm. I respected Eddie Murphy, I respected the comedians, but I felt like I wanted to see some serious ass black men too do some mm-hmm. shit. I don't wanna just laugh, you know, yeah, I also uh, wanna see name? some shit. Frank Pendleton, what the fuck's his name? Oh. Oh, Andre Brown. yeah, Andre, Andre Brown, Brown, for sure, yeah. for sure. Yeah. And you're you talking about, that's that's like, an intellectual black man mm-hmm. who's like, you know, doing his thing in, in, in a very seminal homicide, you know, series. But I guess, you know, the way I viewed it is, you know, for those, the voice that I didn't necessarily hear a ton of were the voices of the people who actually were fans of that material. And what do you do if you actually enjoy the shows? A lot, a lot of times, this was an easy inner entry point, I feel like, for people who just didn't like cop shows anyway. Right. It was just kind of a, a kind of a seminal point to be able to say, see, that's why that shit shouldn't be on the air. <laughs> I always hated that shit. Get that shit off the air. As opposed to you have some people who are like, well, Hold up, what if we didn't throw out the baby with the bathwater? Because what we haven't seen ever is mm-hmm. like, what's Chris's version of a of a cop story? You know, what's Hilliard's version? Mm-hmm. Never seen that. We just started to scratch the surface of that. And I would I would think like with anything else, if you expand the different types of storytellers, just like we we're saying, like you take a story, you put it in someone else's hands, it's gonna have a different treatment. You're yep. probably gonna get different types of stories. Of course, yep. you of know course. what I mean. <clears throat> that to me was was something that at least at the very least, let's let's try to let's try to see different storytellers kind of take their stab at it. You know, in the same way that we're now starting to do that in like the genre space. Mm-hmm. You know, and we've already started to do that in the family space and the young adult, you know, dating space with Insecure, you know, right, in right, Atlanta, right. shows like that. The space of, you know, the the person of color who is, you know, like trying to, you know, kind of work that system or deal with that system. I can't even fill it one hand with the number of, of people of color who have been responsible or been the creative forces behind those wow. types of stories. We're talking about the history of Hollywood. Yeah, Facts. yeah, because yep. all those shows you mentioned earlier were white people who wrote those shows. Those all, all yeah. white people. Who, who, yeah. what's, what's, what's Felicia Mary's show? Bigger. Bigger, yeah. You know, like see, that's a show that I know is influenced by Living Single. You know, but it's like it's her spin on it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's an interesting spin that she's giving because it's like she's it's like she it's what is 20, 25 years later. But she's but but she grew up being influenced by that show. Right. And now it's like, how do I take that and then and not try to not say she was a copy it, mm-hmm. but she knows. But there's stuff that she loved about that. That's kind of in the DNA, how she's shaping her show. Mm-hmm. But, you know, but 
but she's she's shaping it differently. And it's interesting to see that show because it's right. like, oh, I haven't seen this show, and like, and you, and you look at Insecure, you look at that, and it's like, here are shows about black women friendships that we don't see enough of right. on TV, you know, because it's like, so, like if you see black women on shows, they're the only black women in the in this in the space, <laughs> usually, yeah, and it's like, mm-hmm. guess what? And their friends are all the white girls, and it's mm-hmm. like, you know. <laughs> you know, their friends are not all white girls when they leave right. the office. You know that, so that's it's just, there's there's a weird disconnect, lack of authenticity that is in shows like Bigger, in mm-hmm. shows like Insecure. That I feel mm-hmm. like, yeah, that's what we want more of, like, right? It's right, because like, those are yeah. stories that we, that, you know, th- that we hear amongst our friends telling. Right. But we're hearing like a little piece of the story because they're just telling it to us now, as opposed to when you dramatize it, you see all these other ramifications of it, and you see the other person's side. Because right. usually, someone's telling you a story about something that happened with them dating. It's from their point of view, mm-hmm. not the other person's point of view. And in the show, then you're gonna show that other. You know what I'm saying? Right. Which, which gives it like just just more breath. Yeah. So it's it's one of those things across the board, no matter the genre, no matter you know the the type of show. Like I would think the goal is is to try to increase the types of storytellers that are telling a story. Right. You know, with 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 anything, with any type of show you want to name, you know, I'm happy to see that in the superhero space we're seeing we've seen more writers of color now engineering yep. those stories in the last five years than mm-hmm. we saw in the previous seventy. Fifty, years. Yeah, yeah, seventy, yeah. Yep. And, you know, same thing we've always kind of there've been certain segments that, you know, we've always kind of been expected to kind of, you know, tell our stories in. You know, mm-hmm. the the family drama, you know, the if it is drama, the family drama. Sitcom space has always been safe, right. you know. Um, any kind of space that's revolving around a comedian. And I'm not dogging any of those because I think they're all, they all have their merits. They're right. all great and, and essential. <clears throat> but coming at it from the, the standpoint of a drama writer, I've always felt like there's just a lot of potential that's just untapped. For sure. So I, I look at it as like, all right, you know, you know, in the same way that the like baseball at one point was not integrated and it was before Jackie Robinson, it's like to me, this is that time where you're just starting to integrate. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you don't even have a black person on every team yet. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like this yeah. is this is a time where we're just at the very beginning of what these stories could be. Any of these stories. And that's that actually gives me optimism, but it's also kinda like that's part of like what has to continue to grow is this idea, if I wanna be able to look up, you know, as I get older and kinda of go, okay, instead of going like, okay, every cop show is done by a white male from a white male perspective, no matter what the color of the actor hmm. is or what the race of the act, mm-hmm. ethnicity of the actor is, I wanna be able to look up and go, all right, that show feels like all white cops are right, right? I don't agree <laughs> with that, but that's that show's perspective. But this show over here, that's also doing like, the, the thing is saying like, there's a different way to be a cop. Mm. You know, or maybe like police officers might not be needed, but that's mm. the perspective of that show. Yeah. But to, to have that choice, to be able to go, okay, there's different treatments of it based on, and I think the audiences now are starting to reflect that they're ready for that. You know, to me, that's can that's where you move into. Can I ask you a question? I was just thinking about, so you were saying earlier about, you know, a lot of people are saying, you know, we probably won't have that many more cop shows anymore. <laughs> it's just, but, it's, but just yeah, hear me out, because yeah, yeah. I've heard it too, I'm sure you have too. Mm-hmm. What what I'm wondering is, do you think your show, just out of curiosity, is a success because they're not beat cops? Um, 
Like they're not the regular oh, everyday right, guys who pull you over. And and okay, so you know what I mean. They're, they're the elite, the elite forces. Yeah, yeah. Wait, you well, know I mean? here's the thing, though. I mean, in this so climate, that's all I mean. I was, yeah. I would say this. I, I think it's a, it's a multi-layer question because sure. on one hand, you could say, all right, these are not the B cops that you see every day. Right. On the other hand, and this was intentional from the beginning of of me coming up with the idea of pairing up a black man in this environment. Mm-hmm. Even though the film that that was done on, with this title in two thousand three has Samuel Jackson, but yeah. we went a lot deeper, way deeper with background. Yeah, um, it's militarized police, right? You know what uh, I mean? Yeah, like yeah, that, yeah. that's okay. about as polarizing even, as you can. That's even, yes. yeah, okay. that's even worse. In I see fact, where you're going. I see in fact, where you're going. in yeah. fact, and I knew this from the very you know again the very kind of like birth of that idea. Mm-hmm. The original SWAT team was created here in L.A in part to hunt down militant groups like the Black Panthers and yeah. SLA. Facts. Like to this day mm-hmm. on their crests, you know, those are still those are still things, you know, the dates and mm-hmm. the and the um the dates of when those those sieges went down are still mm-hmm. considered like, you know, badge of honor, literally. Wow. You know, so I knew if you're gonna put a black man in a situation, what's the toughest place to put him? Put him in a militarized police unit in Los Angeles. Right. Where that's the most controversial city mm. when we're dealing with community and police, yeah. like, yeah. so yes, on one hand, I, I guess some people all day long with that. <laughs> this, yeah, no, that's why the show's exactly, successful. That's exactly. why the show, like, 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 does explores what it does and does what right. it does because, you know, like I remember the first time I saw like one of those like armored personnel carriers. Mm-hmm in person a police i was like it's shocking to see that on the street you know because i had been you know in israel and seen Mm -hmm. that but they're a country under siege so that's like a different expectation right when you see it here in america you're just like are you telling me that they're that they're looking at that I, you know, this is years ago, it's probably 20 years ago. It's like I'm saying to myself, so you're telling me that you, the police, are under siege with the community because that's why you're coming out like a military. That's got to be the mentality of what's going on here. Mm. That's what you be, you be, you know, because cause you see all that weaponized stuff. And, you know, I'm reading that book. Um, What's that book I loved? Uh, uh, Reefer Madness, mm. you know, because he talks about like like a bunch of these laws. Have you seen the musical? No, it's dope. No. Dude, it's dope. Um, <laughs> um, but he talks about just a, bunch, a bunch of the laws have these seizure things going on, mm-hmm. where you know the department gets to keep money and shit when they seize, you know, drugs and money and right. and, and car from drug dealers, and 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 they turn this stuff into cash, and it's like now it becomes a different type of there's a weird, there's a perverse incentive going on because of that. And their ability to, to you know, to maximize what you know for them is increased by the fact that they got they're, they're militarized. I mean, it's yeah. There's there's a lot of layers, a lot of complexities to that. That a lot of times are you know driven by economy and driven by generating revenue, like anything else. Whether you're talking about privatized prisons or whether you're talking about the war on drugs that's manufactured in part to justify, you know, that military industrial complex being able to recycle. Yeah, you know, um, weapons and, and equipment, and you need a target in order to justify, you know, the spending on weapons and equipment, and you know, all of that stuff. That said, you know, not necessarily always the greatest fodder for primetime entertainment, you know. <laughs> but 
<laughs> but if you're looking at it from a standpoint of, you know, can we um, make an entertaining show and also still touch upon some of the difficulties of, of dealing with those types of themes, yeah. you know, that's, again, that's, that comes from a place of a creator who has those sensitivities and those concerns like close to heart, mm-hmm. you know. So there's a version of that show where it's just let's go get the bad guys, you know, let's right. go do some karate sure. chops and let's bust through some doors, bust some heads, right. you know, and every week it's, you know. And they're just superheroes the mm-hmm. whole time, yeah. There's a version of that. Yeah. Um, and probably a successful version of that. But, you know, my particular version was just always, all right, as a black man who grew up with the same complexities with police officers that anybody else, right. you know, again, how can we at the end of the day, once that show's over, say, all right, we at least pose some questions you know, and brought up some, shines some light on some topics that otherwise wouldn't have been. Which which is the thing I like about the show. Sometimes I feel like you guys roll into the world of Snowfall, in a way, the series. <laughs> where an interesting crossover. Nah, but I mean, uh-huh. in the sense of like, when, when you're like in the grime and the gritty, like you in that type of neighborhood, like those type right. of things are happening. You know, you got my dude um, Kareem, you know, on the show every once in a yeah, while, yeah. you know, coming Shout in, out doing to some Kareem. cool shit. And, um, it's it's like like in that world to me it feels like all yeah. of a sudden we stepped into snowfall you know years later right <laughs> you know right what I'm right and um, but I love that and that's why I think the show works also um, you know it, it doesn't hurt you know you got your boy Shamar on there it's nice to see him all growing up now you know I've known Shamar since we were kids mm-hmm. you know growing up in the Bay and and to see him like he's like a real man right. so to speak you know what I mean right. I know he put on some muscle right. you know for this he's always been in shape since we were kids right. but he's ridiculous right, right. now right. you know what I mean right. and um, just to see him like settle into really finding himself as an actor now right. and I, I remember hearing something um, a while ago a couple of years ago when you guys first were doing the show he was on an interview and he was talking about how he didn't want to do the show at first because he was in Australia he was chilling he was flying his little plane and you know doing whatever and I guess you guys brought him in and you guys when he heard how you guys wanted to do he was like oh shit like I gotta do this thing it was interesting I, I, yeah I think that that was um and he, you know, he would he would say the same thing. I my guess is that there's never been a, a CBS pitch like this hmm. where, um, you know, it was myself, it was Sean Ryan, it's Justin Lin, um, and Puvin actually Puvin Shetty from from original films. Okay. But of those four, three of us are people of color. You know, you have me as an African American, Puvin's Indian, mm-hmm. um, Justin Lin is uh, Asian American. Yeah. Um, so to have the four of us pitching to a black man um, the ideas of want to take a cop show and hopefully explore layered you know topics right. along with kick-ass action mm-hmm. and beautiful people mm-hmm. which is a very important component right. um, it just felt at the time and that's what I think he responded to that this was an opportunity to do something different you know and also recognizing too, you still recognizing who your audience is, and recognizing that part of this is kind of understanding how to communicate with that audience. Right. That you know, is is taking kind of like progress one centimeter at a time. Mm-hmm. But we're going to take that centimeter. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, I think all of us were excited about that. In addition to just getting some shit on the air, right? You mm-hmm. know, I think a lot of shows are just happy. Let me just get some shit on the air because it's hard. <laughs> it's hard. Right, right. But it's like, hold up. If we have an opportunity to get on the air, let's let's do something with that. Right. You know, let's let's. And that's where it was, it was weird. It was like it was kind of a 
one of the few one of the positives I felt like in 2020 is it allowed us to double down. You mm-hmm. know, it's to kind of go, all right, we've been having this conversation for for years. You know, I mean, all of us as a culture, but also us on the show, we've been having that conversation. This right. allows us to actually maybe push it even further, get a little more specific, mm-hmm. get a little more, you know, layered in the way we're, we're attacking this. And what Shamar's done has been great. You know, yeah, he's got the baby girls and, you know, he's got the, <laughs> the pretty boy, you know, um, he kills me reputation. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but there is a, a professional and serious side to him wanting to try to do something that's that's different and leaves a mark and I, I right. do commend him for being dedicated to that and certainly hand in hand with all of us the the desire was to try to portray him and this was always important to me I know it was it's not just a not just a character who happens to be black mm-hmm. you know um but a black man who important. works as a cop right you know and there's a, an important through his eyes yeah, through his yeah. eyes meaning like <clears throat> In any given situation where there, you know, when you you give him a dilemma, it's like, all right, but what are his concerns as a black man? If, right. if shit goes down in 2020 and George Floyd happens, mm-hmm. um, he may not have the luxury of just being able to go, oh, that's too bad. Back to status quo. <laughs> Back to my coffee. Mm-hmm. You know, whereas a character who just happens to be black might be treated that way. It's kind of like, eh, it's not. He's not really into politics. He mm-hmm. doesn't. You know, he's he's not really paying attention to that. He's about saving the the saving the victims and right. going after the bad guys. And nah, I don't think he has that luxury in this case. He's in a. <laughs> that's that's the storm. He still got to go home. The storm. See, yeah. see, it's interesting <clears throat> because you know, there's always this kind of dilemma when you're a writer your director your filmmaker whatever it is you are like i want to be known as the writer who happens to be black so you have Mm -hmm. the ability to do more things than what they want to put you in the box in and when you say that okay i'm the black writer and or like i'm the black cop it's like you know that you're coloring their point of view in a specific way that white people might find it like a hard pill to swallow but it's one of those things where it's like it's intrinsic to tell that story from that point of view because it gives you the response rate to to anything is different mm-hmm. like it's here's the th- like like the George Floyd thing happens right if a black cop cuz there's there were other cops there who watched it mm-hmm. oh yeah you know there was a guy who was i think uh, wasn't there a guy who was um, Latin or something or uh, Indian he's, he's mixed race or something yeah, like yeah, he was yeah. a mixed race yeah, guy yeah. but like but he didn't step in yeah he you know that. and I feel like well, it, he had just started if I recall yeah but it's, it's one of those things where it's like if but it's like if, if he was but, but but him being mixed I'm not taking anything from how, how he was growing up but if he, he but it's like if he wasn't mixed I, I'm wondering, does he step in and stop that that assassination from happening? Ooh. You're saying if he was white? Come, no, 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 no. If he no, was, no, if he was, no, no. Just if he a was black. If he, <laughs> was, if he was black, and he's watching the, he's watching his white right. guy choke that guy out. Not necessarily choke him out because maybe that's one thing, but choke him out on camera because right. you know they're filming him. Yeah. Like, I mean, like you can't not see. Dude, they're standing two feet away from him. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And, and not see the cameras yeah. out, and it's like, so do you not? It's, like it's that, that's you know? that to me is where it, it gets interesting into you know if you're writing about that the, the character study it, it comes down to the individual yeah you know? 
there are black cops who probably wouldn't have stepped in, you know, and you then go into why. Is that person feel as though yeah. the badge is more important than, mm-hmm. you know, right. the justice or, you know. What are they saying, boys in here, the worst cop is the black cop? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With the white cop? Yeah. That but that's <laughs> that to me, too, is like a part of, of the writing. It's like it's an opportunity to have a, a more nuanced conversation that's almost impossible out in public or on social media. Right. Right. Social media is just all black cops are one way, right. period. Right. But in reality, you'll find a wide swath. You'll find some that would be like, yo, what the fuck are you doing? Mm-hmm. And you find others that, you know, you know, and then all based on kind of their experience too. Mm-hmm. New guy, if he's new on the force, you'll find some that because of that will be like, I kind of want to do something, but I'm new and I don't want to lose my job. Right. Others, it'll be like, you know what? I feel the same way. You know, because whatever reason that dude's mm-hmm. been on the force too long, or you know, just just in, you know indoctrinated certain things. Um, so to me, like where where we come in as the storytellers is like, all right, the stories I haven't seen yet is the conversation between the brother who feels like that was right, the brother who's too scared to do shit about it, mm. and the brother who would have been like, what the fuck are you He's thinking? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Like, what's that that conversation? Yeah. That's a whole I've never episode seen right there. I know, there. a whole episode. Just the whole, yeah, <laughs> exactly. yeah the aftermath. He, exactly. He, the episode, you know, he dies in one episode, mm-hmm. and the next episode is they're all having that conversation. Right. And that's the thing that I feel like, you know, that if you were like, I'm just the cop who happens to be black, you wouldn't have that. You know, right. that point of view on the mm-hmm. show you know and that's, right you know and that, that's the, the that the that's thing. that's kind of the thing we're in the middle of right now right is the attempt you found all of these um really you know very professionally crafted statements by corporations and studios mm-hmm. and networks and the question is always are you willing to go deeper than just cosmetics because the first attempt a lot of times because that's what the public sees is just to go okay we'll, we'll just We'll just make that person a person of color right. and not change the story or the perspectives behind the camera. Right. But where you get into things is like, all right, if I'm actually looking at these storylines, though, are they any different? Is there any depth? Are there any layers to this that I haven't seen before? You know, And there's a way to do that, I think, in, in a way, too, where that character, you can go the kind of the opposite route where things are emphasized, you can overemphasize things, where if a character is only defined by their ethnicity, mm-hmm. Agreed. that's not necessarily great either. nuanced yeah, writing yeah. either, yeah. right? You know, it's gotta be more like, how do I actually incorporate just completely who this person is? Make them mm-hmm. three-dimensional. It's good writing. At the, at the end of the day, it's just good writing. Yep. If I were writing about a character who, you know, was obese and they were a cop, you know? I would want to incorporate their worldview, you know. Right, right. His his approach to chasing down a perp is like, <laughs> but his own like like mm-hmm. not just like for humor's sake, but like just his own kind of perception of like how do I do it, you know? How do I do this job as opposed to Mister Lift Weights every day? Right. You right. Know? <laughs> Why you got to be pointing over here? And what's that? <laughs> hey, I'm giving you a compliment. I'm giving you a compliment. <laughs> pretty, well, you Ricky, know, pretty Ricky, what they call him? Yeah, pretty Hilly. Pretty Hilly. <laughs> <laughs> so okay so this is so this is an interesting kind of segue okay so telling these stories this way this nuanced way talking about the corporations let's talk about the BET situation yeah 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 oh and well, by the way just let me preface this really quick y'all know he's been on lots of cool ass shows worked his way up to where he is you can oh, hear that not, other this places is, this, is not easy. this is our conversation we want to have with him so 
bear with us. Yeah, That's he's all. basically saying, fuck y'all. Yeah, we about fuck to talk about whatever we want to talk about. It's <laughs> <laughs> called a rant room for a reason, goddammit. No, but it's interesting because, no, because I feel, cause you, I, cause you made a great point about like the, the corporations have this, you know, they want to like show, they're, they're trying to be performative about what they're doing. Right. But I feel like that's just an interesting conversation to me now to say, <clears> okay, but but now you're at a place that's giving you like a, a checkbook and and to say, hey, let's take, you know, your mind, show us something different and, the, and, and you're not going to have the same kind of chains on you. Right, you right. Know? I'm... I want to start by saying I'm excited about the opportunity, you know. Tell everybody what it is. Who yeah, so what it is is, and I want to be really clear about this, it is a new studio that was created in 2020. The name of the studio is BET Studios, mm-hmm. but that is not the same thing as BET The Network. Oh. BET Studios is a new entity, and in essence it is a studio um, that has a stable of artists, including myself, mm-hmm. Kenya Barris, uh, Rashida Jones, D.R. Uh, Kilpatrick, others um, who are looking to create material to be sold across across the umbrella that is Viacom. Nice. So there are ideas from us that may end up on Showtime, may end up on Paramount Plus, may okay. end up on MTV, may end up back on CBS, may end up on Hulu, mm-hmm. that may or may not end up on BT The Network. You know, it could. But it's much broader than okay. than you know than just um, selling to BT the network. That said, <clears throat> you know there's an opportunity here, and I'm excited about you know again adding to conversations. But there's an opportunity here to do, you know, kind of a setup that really I don't think has really been done since the early days of Hollywood when they had United Artists. That mm-hmm. was when they got mm-hmm. uh, Mary Pickford and mm-hmm. Douglas Fairbanks and Chaplin. Uh, Chaplin all got together and they had, you know, they were artists united right. who were looking to also be producers to create content. This, in essence, is kind of the version of that, but with creators of color mm-hmm. and looking to, to create all different types of projects that have a different level of ambition, you know. Um, so that said, I mean, you know, it, there is an opportunity to creatively be able to kind of like explore things that might be a little bit different than, you know, mm-hmm. prior situations, you know, or, or different situations, I would say. Um, and again, in, in the, the hope of like maximizing and really trying to make the most and add the conver- you know, add positively to the conversation, this is an opportunity to do that. Um, so do they have a new studio and everything and all that? Or? They, yeah, I mean, you know, there's a, this is led by um, Aisha uh, Burke, right. who is, you know, just a superstar, mm-hmm. you know. Um, Scott Mills, um, who's been a long, you know, stalwart um, with BT, and David mm-hmm. Nevins, who's, you know, kind of the Viacom, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, <clears throat> guru, so to speak. Um, but that said, the infrastructure, you have an infrastructure in place that is just dedicated to trying to make sure that BET Studios grows, nice. you know? And the hope would be is coming out of that, you're gonna find a wide range of different types of projects that end up on these networks. But, okay. you know, to go back to what Chris was saying is, is the idea is to try to do exactly what we've been talking about, which is to take like different types of stories, different types of genres, different types of premises, and have creators of color behind that nice. content. You know, mm-hmm. the audience is growing. We've seen that there's a hunger for 
material right. um, that that no longer just takes the approach of of you know you know changing casting you know mm-hmm. but also mm-hmm. actually in within the content itself and the DNA has a different perspective. Right. You know, this to me is an opportunity, you know, and being forward looking and seeing how the audience is changing, how it will continue to change, you know, just um, demographics wise, right. age wise, um, the way you reach your content. And this is an opportunity to start to feed that audience in a major way. So mm-hmm. th- that's, I'm excited about it. I'm excited about the possibilities. Um, and it's funny because, you know, Again, I continue to grow too as an artist. I've always, you know, you think of yourself as a writer and a storyteller and as a producer, mm-hmm. of course, and as a showrunner and as a creator. And now this is a this is a new chapter because this is also a partner now. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, um, I talked with with friends before. Talk with Charles Murray about this. Your mm-hmm. your alum uh, previous guest, mm-hmm. and the idea that there's that layer that we're we're all we've yet to reach that we're looking to now reach more and more which is to be able to look across the table at a business entity and see a partner, mm-hmm. you know, that not just an artist for hire, but a partner in who's vested in the finances of how projects are actually created mm-hmm. and, and how they're profited. Um, so that's, that's where we're at, where I feel like in success, you know, this can be an example for other, you know, Major. opportunities to, to do sure. that. Um, but when I look around, you know, and I talk to people, and a lot of times, you know, this business, like any other business, there's, like any other business, there's a series of followers of something successful. Mm-hmm. Where I tend to find that things break out is when it's something that feels a little different and new and odd at mm-hmm. the beginning. You know, I always point to is like, all right, before Mad Men, wh- what was AMC doing? They mm-hmm. were airing John Wayne movies. Right. Everybody's you know, like AMZ. Before before <laughs> HBO had Sopranos. Right. What were they doing? It was right. you know just doing movies. Just right. movies. I mean a few comedies, but nothing nothing mm-hmm. that was He's waiting for that late night to see that Cinemax move. Right? <laughs> yeah, the Cinemax. <laughs> yeah, that's they just and they just stopped doing that like you know, five years ago. <laughs> um not that I should know that. But um <laughs> then you also had like like a Netflix, right? Um that, you know, before House of Cards or anything like that, yeah. you know, they were the red envelope. Mm-hmm. No place. So you can definitely buy into the places that are successful, the big boys, so to speak. Um, but I also look at it as like the opportunities to kind of shift things, change things, you know, <clears throat> adapt or die, you know, come from those places that you least expect. So mm-hmm. to me, that's where this gets really exciting. It's like, all right, you know, let's let's try to create some content that I think is gonna be surprising. Well, to me, the thing that I, you know, like loved about like seeing the roster that you guys have and knowing that this like this is the deal with the studio and you guys can go across the whole like Viacom platform. It means that to me it's like okay, the content you guys have the opportunity can make, you know, it's it's a huge spectrum of things, you know, that aren't necessarily what you would think about as BET. You know, and I feel like it's an interesting way. It's important. It's an interesting way for BET to kind of like <clears throat> to to shift their brand somewhat incrementally. Mm. You know, so that people perceive them differently. You know, and it's I mean it's interesting because it's because it's because Kenya, Diara, and Rashida like primarily are known for comedy. 
you know, and then you're the drama guy in this, you know, but you're not just the drama guy. You're like the heavy drama guy. In this, you know? I like drama. <laughs> you know, and it's, 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 it's an interesting thing to do because I kind of feel like what you see on BET now is a certain type of like, like comedy, a certain type of drama. And it's like it's not the heavy, heavy stuff that you bring. Right. It's not the kind of comedy that like Rashida Jones brings. What's the thing she had on TBS that that oh. cop thing she did? The the, um. the Charlie Bal not Charlie Baltimore, but that she had that weird name. I can't remember what it was, but it was. But there's yeah. a style. There's a style of humor mm -hmm. to that. That's that's not necessarily what you expect to see on BET, and you expect. And she's done some great documentary work, and it's like okay, yeah. now to me it's like now I can kind of see what. The like, like the tone of what's coming out of here, you know, like there's no there's, there's been no projects announced. That, mm -hmm. but the tone because of the creators is letting me know this is wider. This can go on Paramount Plus. This can get the Tim. Yeah, they're they're, they're yeah. looking for international yeah. shit with yeah. all y'all. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And there's the big yeah. stuff, you know, and, mm -hmm. and, and 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 because you can go to various places mm -hmm. on the platform. I mean, that's in their portfolio. It's like I might not have a budget like constraint. You know, like the same. I mean, there were going to be one, but it's not going to be the mm -hmm. same kind of thing. Where it's like, mm -hmm. hey, if you're on BT, you might get a million and a half an episode kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Hey, let's put us on Paramount Plus, give you ten million, twelve million right. kind of thing, depending <clears throat> on what the story is. You know, and that to me is is what's is really fascinating about, about what you guys are doing. Yeah. Right. It's um, you know, and then and in success, you hope that the tide raises all boats. You know, so there's opportunities. I think everywhere, including you know BT, the network, to try some things that that might be a little different you mm -hmm. know or, or more expansive i think all of our tastes tend to be can tend to run the gamut you know so um again this is another area where the you know the surface has just been scratched yeah. um and certainly <clears throat> as the audience of colors is only going to become increasingly important um you know, BT the network certainly has an opportunity too to expand. You know what they they offer, and you know the, I'm sure that they're working on that. Mm -hmm. um, and we'll see kind of how that manifests itself. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. Uh, coming up because you can get into a comfort zone sometimes of like you know your audience and you serve your audience. You know, kind of year checks. in year out. <laughs> um, but I'm a big believer in adapt or die. Try new things. Continue to to if you want to actually you know, be great, then you got to put yourself out there and take some chances. So, right. and business-wise, that's just the smart thing to do. So, we'll see. Certainly, that's that's my approach. That's my hope for, um, for the studio. And, you know, I think so far, at least with the people we're working with, you know, we all have that hope and that goal is like, all right, let's, you know, let's try to do some shit. I just love that, you know, you were saying earlier about you know, all these studios and network stuff that were saying they were going to be doing all these things for us. And they gave like, you know, six or seven people overall deal. <laughs> it seems right. like, you know what I mean? <clears throat> Instead, but what I'm loving about this, even though there's, you know, four or five or six of you guys, it feels like it's coming from black people giving it to us. You know what I mean? And at least at least uh, the faces of it. So it's, it's giving us that back. So we can give it back to everybody. Yeah, go ahead. I mean, it's, it's funny because, you know, I, I grew up... Um, you know, my mom was the one who introduced me to, you know, reading Malcolm X and right. Marcus Garvey and, you know. So there's always a part of my brain that's like, at the end of the day, though, very, very, <laughs> very, very top. Just always remember. So the the way I look at it is like, again, it, this business moves slowly, you know, centimeter by centimeter. Thanks. You know, are we at the point where we completely control our destinies on a, ma you know, on a macro level? Not yet. 
you know, but if this can be a step towards that, mm-hmm. you know, you can continue to push it further. Because yeah. another thing, you know, I have friends from back home who basically like, it's all or none. Like, yeah, but do, does a black man own everything? <laughs> no. So they, they don't count. That shit don't count. It's like, so you, you're holding out, you're basically saying if we don't own the whole corporation from right. top to bottom, going all the way up to oil money, you're saying that that shit don't matter. Because if you're holding out for that. You can hold out for yeah, a long time. Right. Exactly. You got to like make progress and fight that fight. So at some point you can go, okay, you know, we, you know, we're, we, we are ownership here and we are ownership there. But in order to get to that meant that, you know, we took some steps to get to that yeah. point. Whether there's building up capital or building up relationships or building yeah. up, you know, you know, the politic leverage or all of the above. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm mindful of is is that is it can't be the all or none approach because you end up with none a lot most of the time. See, yeah. see, see, that's the kind of person who's like, I'm not happy unless the janitors are white because then, <laughs> <laughs> because that's that's what your mind is. It's like that ain't gonna happen, dude. Gonna this happen. is payback, man. This is payback. Right, 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 so. right. It's it's a continuous like fight. For progress, you know mm. what I mean. It's it's um and yes, could you always point out that, that there are things that you know could improve? Absolutely, but that's that's part of the process. Yeah. You know, is continue to look for what are the areas that that I have control over that I can add to, try mm. to push it further as much as possible during my time, and then you know <clears throat> also because I'm a big believer in mentorship is building up the next generations to be able mm. to take that and push it even further. Right. You know, that's that's the hope. That's what my parents did for me. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's the way I look at it. And you're the you're the perfect example of that. Um, and like I said, thank you again for coming and hanging with us. I know you're busy, and we we appreciate you stopping and hanging with me with the young folk, you know, little kids over here. You know what I'm saying? Um, <laughs> shut up. But on a real note, here's the thing I love about you, right? Chris and I talk about this a lot on this show. There's a lot of and we ain't gonna get into this, Chris. But just a little, just a little thing. I know you got to get running. No, no, I, I, I you good? Okay, cool. Time, time. So here's the thing: in this business, we have found this motherfucker and I. The people who help us usually are white folks. Hmm. Coming up hmm. has been our experience. Mm-hmm. You are one of the few examples that I've met who are not, and I appreciate that. You know, you, Charles, you know, Malcolm, a couple of cats, you couple, know. Couple of, no, there's a couple of y'all. Joe Wilson, a couple of cats. Joe Cecil. Joe Cecil. I totally agree. Selwyn, you know, y'all doing some shit. I remember last year I sent you that, that movie that, um, shit, that Skyland was in, that little short I did that Skyland yeah, was yeah, in, you yeah, know. And I mean, yeah. I mean, and you and I talked for a long time about that. Right. And I was, I mean, that's like, I mean, and I, I really just wanted like five minutes of your time. You know, mm-hmm. but you gave me like half hour, and I was really appreciative of that. Mm-hmm. You know, because one of those things that I feel like there are those people like you and Malcolm and everyone that mm-hmm. who who are kind of like, who kind of know that it's like you gotta, you know, it's kind of part of your responsibility as you find success mm-hmm. in this business that you gotta be able to like look back at other people, help other people, because it's like there's there's tricks. Tricks is the wrong word. There's kind of tactics that mm-hmm. you have to figure out to be successful, to, to rise to where you are, right. that are not part of our lexicon mm-hmm. as black people. Right. You know? And part of that is, you know, you could save someone a lot of pain, you know, and, and, and a setback in their career by quick conversation, <clears throat> you know. And that's what I feel is like is very, 
Um, is, I mean, here's, here's the thing, though, too, because, you know, there's the altruistic part of, you know, I just want to be a positive influence in my environment, you know, mm-hmm. and and help people out. And I would include other names. So it was Joe Thompson, who was also oh, yeah, great. Oh, yeah. It was fucking fantastic. Yeah. Terrence. <clears throat> The Terrence C winner, I think I'm trying to remember. Yeah, 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 yeah. Black Terrence winner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Black Terrence. Um, <laughs> yes, we call yeah, there's, there's a long list. There's a long name, list. I just yeah. named a few of y'all. Yeah, there's a long so, list. Don't take it personally. Don't yeah. take it personally. Um, <laughs> there's somewhere there's this like a Carlito or somebody going. Oh yeah, motherfucker, okay. you didn't mention me. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> but um, but they're all yeah, you we know. Love Carlito too. These are all um, I think like-minded brothers in that um. And then I also think, like, aside from the altruistic, it's also <clears throat> smart business too. You know, like mm-hmm. it's the idea that um, that you're building up more and more foundation of of great storytellers and people that you know are looking to do great things can help you, whether it's collaborative or right. whether that you know allows you to you know see just more great art as a right. fan. Um, these are all things that that many other groups have been doing for a long time. You know, one of the things we talk about all the time is like is men of color, but specifically as black men of color, a lot of times your your road, your path to wherever you got in success has been so treacherous <clears throat> that you're used to depending on yourself mm-hmm. from the individual standpoint. I mean, you have some kind of, probably some kind of foundation to help you to get here. You're alive and you know, right. you're, you're here. But you're so used to being so self-reliant that oftentimes, you know, it helps for us to remind ourselves that like working as a group, collaborating, like holding each other up right. is a good thing, it's an asset, you know. Uh, whether it's the system or whether it's the way people have been conditioned, that whole idea of like pitting people against each other and that's your competition, there's only one of you that can exist, has manifested itself in many different ways. Whether mm-hmm. it's comedians, one at a time, or the big time actors, one at a time, mm-hmm. or yeah. mm-hmm. that manifests itself behind the camera too, and I think, for this latest generation has been like, fuck that, you know, like we're stronger together. Yeah, exactly. And then you can also look across the aisle and you see that, that women have been a lot better with that, I think traditionally, you know, when you talk about the living singles of the world and you talk about the Yvette Lee Bowsers or yeah. you're talking about the Yonetta Boones or Felicia Henderson's, mm-hmm. they've all been tight, you know, Mara, you know. And for dudes, I think before our generation, there was always, first of all, kind of, especially in the dramatic space, you know, there's only a few cats. And there wasn't really an opportunity to build, I think, that infrastructure of like, you know what, if I need a DP, can I also get the perspective from a black man who worked with a DP? Because mm-hmm. that DP might be dope, but I might also find out that DP's racist as fuck. <laughs> exactly. But only the black man can give me that perspective. <laughs> right. my, my white yeah, colleagues would be right. like, oh, he's fantastic, he's terrific, you should take him. Then <laughs> I talked to, to my black, you know, my like, black nah, brother who's exactly. a DP, he'd be like, dude, you all let wrong. me tell you what <laughs> he was saying. Y'all, y'all can be too fucking right. dark. <laughs> he don't know how to light, and that yeah. dude like secretly actually kind of hates your ass, you wow. know, just, you know, I'm just using that <laughs> as an example. Yeah. I'm not, you know, no, I don't see me. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's like you know it's it's again i feel like it it's to me it's a it's a beneficial thing to do for for on on the level of trying to do the right thing you know mm-hmm. but also on the level of it makes the business better you know just expands <clears throat> the choices in an era where we have more content than ever you know to have more variety of storytellers to me is just it's a no-brainer you yeah. know so whatever i can do to look into that and try to help that along, mm-hmm. I'm gonna do it. 
you know so so yeah i'm I'm happy and we're all blessed and fortunate to be in a time where we can even discuss that you right know? right even 20 years ago what would be the conversation about black creators you you know you'd be mentioning the three people that yeah, create well, everything yeah, right, you know exactly. it was interesting because i remember like when um when cheo got luke cage it was another one and yeah. i was like you know, in my head, I was like, there's only two black guys who I know are running shows at the time. It was like, um, I mean, at the time, it was like, in my head, it was immediately, um, what the fuck, the guy who wrote 12 Years a Slave? Uh, 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 I was talking about Ridley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was John Ridley. John Ridley. I, was yeah. like, I was like, yeah, there's John Ridley, and there's Cheo, and I, and I was kind of like, who else is, is even running, who's running shows then, you know? Um, there's, I, I, I mean, it was very, it was very, very few. I can't think of anyone who was maybe running the show. But people were EP. I don't know if we're running the show. You know, um, then this is maybe five years ago now. That was longer than that. Yeah, I mean, you had you know, it could go into to the list because that was right around the time things were were starting to, um, you know, to expand. Um, and I'm trying to remember my man from CSI Miami who who did um, Empire in the last oh. uh, year or two. Uh. Um, but what you had though, like that was right around, to me, that was right around when the numbers started to expand. Yeah. Right. Like it was before, really, it was before then that things were, were dismal. Were pretty mm -hmm. yeah. dismal for a minute as far as the drama side. Right, right. Know? Yes, I'm saying the drama yeah. side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, am I, am I, am I, but, it's a, but, it's, but even then you say there's just a handful. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just, and it's such a, I mean, like really a handful, not like it's a t five, maybe at the most, maybe. And it was very disconcerting to me because in my, in my, in my head, I was like saying, okay, so John really has been writing TV for a while. He's what on about third rock. runs like, is it Flash or one of those? What's the, oh, that, about Eric. Eric yeah. Wallace. Yeah, That's yeah. now, I'm, this is yeah. now. I'm talking okay. about I thought ago. that was back then. Yeah, too. no, okay. no. And I'm sitting, but I, I'm, I'm like, I'm, in my head, in my head, I was like, okay, so John really, who was on third watch and he, and he did these movies. Mm -hmm. I was like, you know what? He wins an Oscar, okay, and then look. the main thing he's got to do is now is do his American Crime, and mm -hmm. I was like, I was like, is the bar now that you got to win the Oscar to be in this <laughs> position? Because it, it it seems so it seems right. so out of whack to me. And granted, things did change like like sort of very very quickly, but right. before then, you look at it and you're just like, that's a really strange kind of like the the number and, mm -hmm. and and the and then it kind of goes to like you're saying the type of storytelling because everyone's you know like the point of views that you want i mean like, oh. it's yeah it's strange and but also not surprising and also right on pattern with hollywood like in any other aspect it's the same thing at one mm -hmm. time there was just gordon parks you yeah, know directing forever. movies and then you get you know melvin van, well melvin van peoples actually i should say rest in peace all due respect mm -hmm. Um, but you kind of had that one at a time kind of thing, and they had to be extraordinary, mm -hmm. right? They either found their way outside where I got the funding all myself and I hustled up everything, and that's a fucking <laughs> miracle, or the dude had to be uh, like the best photographer in America, right. you yeah. know, and win <laughs> awards in order to get a shot to do, you know, a story about a black detective. Any of the disciplines, I, I would, I would guess it's the same thing in any other, you know, walk, you know, is who were the, the who were the black people to do stunts who were the black mm -hmm. people to do makeup there was probably a time the black where there dps yeah black dps for sure it's the same story you know maybe different time frames but it's the same thing with uh with the writing where, where it's important with the writing is because in tv we can actually dictate the other hires right, right. you know right. that infusing new blood into that <clears throat> into that stream 
the hope is that from the top down, you can start to influence other positions, you know, and mm-hmm. consider. Well, that's know. the thing. I mean, you know, there's there's always these, you, you get some you get these requests from people, you know, who do you know who's a co- you know a department head, mm-hmm. you know, who's black, mm-hmm. you know, or you know whatever it is, DP, costumes, person design, it's and, and and it's like that is invaluable. I just interesting you m- mentioned DPs. I was just thinking, you know, like w- w- like who do you and who's being seen by other people and respected by other people right. who will say white people? I just, I because they know there's a little there's some. Uh, New York's like street scenes in Eyes Wide Shut, right? You know, and uh, DP on that is uh, uh, Malik Saeed, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. you say to yourself, okay, so now you're Malik Saeed, you do some movies of Spike and blah blah blah, and then you get a call from Stanley Kubrick. <laughs> Hey, can you come and shoot some That's stuff crazy. for me? Like that would kind of blow your mind to <laughs> because you're saying to yourself, it's not just I'm working, but someone like that is noticed my work, right. and that goes back to your saying about you got to be like exceptionally good to kind of like break. I mean, to break. You know, at that time period, you had to be as opposed to now, where there's more of a uh, the, the 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 communication lines of, on who can be. Um, recommended is, is yeah. higher because more of us are in positions to hire yeah. or to make recommendations or to suggest stuff you know because I think that's what's I, I think that's what's interesting now a lot of people are maybe like number twos on shows you know and 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 they've got a the ear on the showrunner who might be white but who might be open to seeing other people you know like outside of their, well, their go-tos <clears throat> I've talked about this before on the show I don't know if we can wrap this up I've talked about this before on the show where like once we let our agents go and everybody really started helping each other, mm-hmm. right? Like that's where it really started, like, you know, changing for everybody. Mm-hmm. But what I would see being, you know, the co-chair on the education committee and the black committee, I'm getting like, you know, showrunners I don't even know going, hey, Hilliard, I heard about you. Do you know I'm looking for a co-EP? Mm-hmm. I'm looking for whatever. I got 17 of them, I think in about three months, like just a few months ago. And all of them, they wanted a co-EP or they wanted a staff writer. There was no middleman whatsoever. Well, yeah, so here's the thing too, because I think that's that's a industry-wide issue right now, mm-hmm. and, it, and it reflects actually the American economy in a way. It's like <laughs> right. the, the haves and the have-nots, right. the, that middle class is disappearing. Right. That definitely, with writers, and especially writers of color, that's, that's a thing. And that's why too, you know, that's been my soapbox one of many for the past years that if you want to change things it, that's the area that you want to change it is that championing writers up the ladder right. you know like I mean you guys have discussed it and that's something that you know everybody knows but you have to if you want to throw money at resources to actually change the landscape of what your roster looks like or what your mm-hmm. network looks like you know it's not just a matter of introducing the new writers the staff writers you know at the, at the bottom some of which may work a job or two and never be heard from again. Yeah. It's looking at the writers who now are moving into story editor, executive story editor, into that midsection of co-producer. Mm-hmm. You know, if a show doesn't last past a season or two, are you keeping in mind the talented writers of color that might have been on that show and looking for other homes, you know? Yeah. If you're a network, you really want to change things. It's like try to champion the writers who have done good work for you. You know, and and in the same way that you've invested in writers before, look for those writers of color. Don't let them wither on the vine, mm-hmm. and just because it's a way of kind of basically saying you're expendable, and I can always just find others to be staff writers Thanks. right after you. But to populate those ranks, and that's the only way you get to the place where you have writers at the top. 
Um, or I should say, because there's a, there's another conversation to be had about writers who are able to come in at the top now if you sell a show and mm-hmm. you know, but you may not have the you know the experience that you need. But giving them the chance to basically make their bones, be able to kind of build up their marketable skills, what it is to be a leader, what it is to run yeah. a room, what it is to be a producer, what it is to edit, you know, all of that stuff. Um, to me, is that's the fight within the fight. Like that's that's where you know if. You, when when things actually are changing for real, you'll see two things. I think that that whole thing of of ownership and having partners that mm-hmm. you know I talked about before, and that aspect of how many mid level writers do we have who are on the verge of becoming right. like the next creators? Because right. without that that you know without that mid level that queue, if you will, of writers who who are ready to become like the next. Mm-hmm. Then it's still kind of a one-off. You have the the writers at the top, and once they're done, who's replacing them? Mm-hmm. Then you right. know, like that's what you want is a system in place where it's like, okay, this is much bigger than like two or three writers who happen to make it through the pipeline right. through their own ingenuity. Right. But like, there's actually a system in place where like, you know, you know, the next Ben Watkins, you know, the next mm-hmm. Brett Mahoney is the dude I was thinking about. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> you know, who were the next? you know, writers in line, and I'm mentioning dudes, but I'm just saying mm-hmm. overall, you know, everybody, who are the next people in line that can now, you know, take that mantle and continue it so that when you look up in 20 years, it's like, okay, you know, that's that's not, there's no longer a thing that I'm blown away and surprised by mm-hmm. and kind of going, oh, that's a, kind of a miracle that yeah. any of y'all rose to that, yeah. that point. It's <laughs> exactly. like, no, this happens, this happens mm-hmm. now, this is the way it happens. Um, I love it. That that was some game right there. Um, okay, yeah. I was gonna add some more shit, but I'm not going to. That was dope. That, that was, was dope. dope. No, it was, because it was it was a piggyback off of what I was talking about. Is sometimes we feel like people don't help, mm. but in fact, it's not true. And I wanted to say this. Um, y'all y'all saw I put out that email last week. I ain't gonna say where I put it, but I put out an email last week to a couple of us going, "Hey, anybody know anybody? I had this great mm-hmm. meeting and blah blah blah." And a couple of people after Malcolm stepped in, some other people stepped in. So like every day I was getting a new one, right. you know, for some other people. Right. So I want to shout out a couple of people right quick if y'all don't mind. So of course we got to shout out Malcolm Spellman, of course, always for jumping right. in. And he's really cool because he's like, dude, let's jump on a call because I want to talk to you about some shit. And we just started going in. So then it, it helped him think about what he was going to do and say and whatever. Blah yeah. blah blah. It was dope. Uh, David Shanks. Uh, Justin Britt, Shanks. Uh, Jamil Turner, and of course Joe Wilson. So I want to appreciate. Yeah. Thank everybody and for stepping in. I would say this too because <clears throat> I, I, um, you know, I want to give a shout out too to the the writers that preceded. You know, you got Charles, of course, right. but you know, I always want to give respect to the writers like Kevin Arkadai, oh yeah, mm-hmm. Charles Holland, Larry Andrews, Larry Andrews, we'll go see today, yeah. most definitely mm-hmm. Salim McKill, you yeah, know, Salim. director mm-hmm. uh, writer in that TV space and doing work that, you know, has been, you know, high level for a long right. time and having to, you know, them having to navigate battles that even we didn't necessarily have to face in the same way. Facts. It made it a little easier for us. You know, the the idea of legacy and kind of creating something that can continue to be passed on right. to me is, is key with all of this. So that includes giving the proverbial flower, so to speak, to right. those who have done it before and are still doing it. Mm-hmm. And, and and I was saying earlier, you know, it's one of the things I love about you, but sometimes you get, <laughs> I'm going to say it, sometimes you get motherfuckers who are the face of shit, and you're like, why did God bless that motherfucker <laughs> to be representing us? <laughs> Every time you speak and I see you in places, I'm proud of you. 
Yeah, like you one of them cats that I'm like, he make us look good. You know what I mean? Because you could code switch, you could blend, well, you could do whatever. You smart, you intelligent. You know what? How, hold on, hold on. What they say? Ooh, he's so well spoken. <laughs> I'll tell you what I love about Eric. Y'all love about Eric? It's his Instagram because he has the coolest shoes and hats. Ah, dude, it's, that is the dude. And you know I'm a sneaker dude. I, I know you are. He be, he, he be he chilling got it, though. He has. It's yeah. just like everything is nice. I got the cheap version. He got the real I, version. I love it. I love it. You got the. You got like the boot. I like, like the European. The European. You got like the, the the pairs that like I only see you wearing. <laughs> That's you know, my whole here point. Here in the states, yeah. <laughs> so not nah, much. I appreciate that and appreciate what you guys are doing with with this show and you know again like being able to talk about topics Absolutely. that you don't hear about elsewhere. Certainly, we're all part of that same. You know, right. movement. You know, people are afraid of that term. I think when it comes to Hollywood, yeah. but that's yeah. what that it's a real is. Thing. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. So it's not a moment. It's a movement, and you know, to continue that, you know, as we progress, it. I think it's it's good for all of us, and not just people of color, but all of us in the business. Right. Period. For sure. Well, thank you, uh, Aaron. This was dope, man. We appreciate you. Like I said, come and hang out with us for sure. We're going to have you back again, maybe when you get really deep into your new thing with BET. Or the new know, shows the studios, on yeah. Or your new show. Because I want to talk to you more about craft and shit and getting all that, you know, definitely. We can do. definitely talk that. We can talk do. about, you know, talk about scores and talk about oh, yeah. the use of music and storytelling. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's the best. And, no. I'll tell, you know, no. I, was, I was telling Ted Hope the other day, I was like, he, I, I, he was like, um, how do you know if the first cut is working or not? And I was like, you know what? Put some music on it. Mm. Don't listen to it just off without the music. And right. Just put the temp score on because things that you think might be working might not when you put music or things that you go that doesn't work. That's true. It could when you put music underneath it. You don't know that mm-hmm. because no movie is designed to be played like without music. Yeah, huh. that's a really good point. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So where, uh, where you at, Aaron? Where can people follow you? <clears throat> uh, you can always follow me. You know, I'm not the I'm not the absolute best when it comes to social media, <laughs> but you can always follow me on Instagram. That's AR Thomas TV, and the same handle for Twitter. Um, I tend to hop on there and, and you know, kind of I'll, I'll kind of I'll put out something, you know, kind of here and <laughs> there. But uh, you're very positive though, which is what I appreciate. Try to be, you know, mm-hmm. we got a lot of, you know, we got a lot of shit that we're dealing with right now. <laughs> so whatever, you know, whatever I can do to add to the to a positive experience on a day-to-day mm-hmm. basis is certainly um, yeah. that's the goal so if yeah. you guys are on Facebook y'all gotta follow him because he promotes his beautiful daughter Sammy Rose every Friday I look for Friday I look for that shit yeah, you know I always got something to say that's no that's beautiful the, yeah. little girl it, it, beautiful like, it's a great uh, <clears throat> uh, thing to uplift you mm-hmm. at the end of the week when you're tired yeah and you're beat up yeah that's my baby so you know we'll, <laughs> we'll see um Look at yeah. that! Look, I should have a picture on right now. Yeah. Like, just, look, just blushing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I, I was telling you guys a story before. It's like I was telling her because I was just talking to her before I came in. Mm-hmm. She's like, you know, what are you gonna do? I said, I'm gonna go do an, an interview. So what is that? So I explained to her the concept. Mm-hmm. And she's she has a good way of breaking things down. She's like, so basically, it's blah 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 blah. It's like, yeah, that's about right. That's about right. Um, that's How old is she now? Four and a half. Oh my god! Yeah, so just growing so big. And I've been doing uh, posts since she was born, so Mm -hmm. it's kind of like it's the internet version of boyhood, I guess, where you kind of like able to see somebody grow up on a week to week basis. So when I look at pictures now, 
based on the pictures when I first started posting before mm-hmm. she had teeth, before she could walk. <laughs> right. That's you know, hilarious. it's just like, yeah, time flies. Mm-hmm. You know? it's, it's crazy. She's a, she's a light, dude. Yeah, I, mean, I mean it. I mean, like, I mean time it. flies, but watching <clears throat> kids grow, like when they're under five, it's like it's so rapid. Mm-hmm. I mean, like the growth, like like every mm-hmm. week you see something different mm-hmm. with coordination, with whatever it is. It's really, really, really sh- like startling. Indeed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I can't end this episode without shouting out my girl Angela Allen, who you know, uh, AC Allen. Yeah. I, I, I told her it's like and she <laughs> she'll roll her eyes, but it's like <laughs> I say you had the name of a of a. She's heard this joke a million times. So okay. She's definitely gonna roll her eyes, but so you had the name of a power forward from like a nineteen eighty four. NBA team. AC Allen. That's her, that's her writing. Uh, but uh, yeah, I love Angela. Yeah. <laughs> that's my girl. AC Allen. AC Green, power forward to small forward. Yeah. <laughs> Hilarious. Where are you at, Chris Derek? I am at unauthorized CBD on Twitter mm. and Instagram. That's what's up. And I'm your host, Hilliard Guest. You guys can find me on Twitter. I say Twitter like I'm cool. It's, you know. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, um, fucking Clubhouse, at Hilliard Guest. You guys can follow the show. Screenwriters are, are on Twitter. Any questions, screenwritersrentroom at gmail.com. Please go on iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcast. Y'all hear the ghetto birds going by and all that. See, we here in Hollywood. That's how they do it. Um, <laughs> Apple Podcast, Stitcher, you know, Spotify, whatever you listen to. We are everywhere around the world. Um, big shout out to all the people who listen and support the show. Um, what else we got, Chris? Uh, you can support the show on ScreenwritersRR.com where you can either buy T-shirts uh, or you can uh, go to our Patreon link, which is on the front page. And there'll be, uh, I mean, this, it's, this site's being rebuilt, but now it's up anyway, but you can get the show notes for this episode and everything, you know, like will be up there. So there Dope. you go. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you again, Aaron. Good to see you, buddy. Thanks. Thanks for having me, y'all. Yeah, man. Keep, hey, yeah. keep being positive. What you gonna do anyway? Man, fuck that. Nigga, <laughs> 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 bang, 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 nigga. You, you hear them ghetto birds? I ain't got time to shit. <laughs> you know what this is. Nigga, <laughs> <laughs> bang, bang, pow, pow. Look. <laughs> he throwing up crib signs and stuff. I see you. Um, anyway, so thank you, Aaron. We appreciate you, man. And um, lots of good shit coming through. We wish you all the best, you know. Keep uh, um, doing what you do. Keep hope alive. Look at all that blood out. Um, thank you, Chris. Thank you. I know you got shit to do. I know you got shit to do. Everybody, join join with us for uh, what kind of forever, right? Okay. All right. Here we go. You guys know how we do do it on the rant room on the show. We keep it real. We keep it opinionated. We keep it what everybody. What kind of forever? Yeah. Peace, y'all. I'ma say what I feel. And I promise to keep it real. Welcome to the Red Room. Well, you gotta be a rider till your fears are diminished and the doubts are behind ya. It's hard to grind and the business got me stressed in the rent room. We let that shit up off our chest. You know the street nerd has got no time for no caca. Sass in class, yes, that's Mr. Bolakaja. Never have to guess when you're listening to Hilliard. He gon' bring more game than a shark playing billiards. It's all about the crap of screenwriting. It's exciting when you turn an outline into something enlightening. Your pen and words are like bullets in a gun. Write what you feel, say what you want. Welcome to the rent room.